Five, four, three, two, one. We're in the pipe. Five by five. This is the Five on Film podcast. Hello and welcome to the Five on Film podcast. I'm your host this week, John, and this week we are discussing air pirates, walking castles and strange creatures in the woods. We're discussing the films of Studio Ghibli, possibly the most well-known animation studio outside of Disney. Also here to discuss our top fives are Matt. Watch out. Joe. Hey. Tom. Hey. And uh, our, our terrible duo of Ali and Mike. <laughs> Basically, we didn't have enough spots, so they decided to come on together. This is going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> Um, before we start, uh, just quickly, we have changed our formats. Um, if you've listened to our Alien versus Predator uh, show, you'll have heard it already. What we've done, each of us have made our top five. Uh, Mikey and uh, Ali have made a five between them. Um, that We are going to go around uh, starting at five, and as we go, we are going to give them points depending on where they are in that chart. Um, as If it's higher, we'll wait. Uh, if nobody else has it on their chart, we will then just discuss the film. If that's as clear as mud, keep listening because I'm sure I'm sure you'll pick it up as it um, soon. Here we go. Studio Ghibli. Um, they're a acclaimed Japanese film studio that was founded in 1985 by animators and directors Miyazaki Hayao Miyazaki and Isio Takahata. Oh my god! I'm really going to have to record. No, Tom, that's right. That's right. So, that's, that's and also producer Toshio Suzuki. Uh, Studio Ghibli is known for its high quality of its filmmaking and its artistry. Its feature films have both won critical and popular praise, and have also influenced other animation studios. Um, based in Tokyo, Disney do release them, but they, Disney have absolutely no input on them whatsoever. So here we go. Um, let's start with our number fives. Joe come to you first um what's your number five for us say. mate i know what he's gonna say straight away i already know hey, but, hey, you're wrong because you don't know what it didn't even make my top five my number five is princess mononoke oh okay. oh, Ooh, oh. Number five. okay so has anybody else got princess mononoke on the list yes, yes. Ooh, i'm guessing it's higher no, no. No, but somebody's got it higher. Okay. I feel Tom, bad now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your number five? My number five is uh, a little film called Spirited Away. Oh, I wonder if anyone's got that. That's low. That's what I thought Joel was going to do. Right. Who else? Okay. So I'm guessing Spirited Away is also on somebody else's list. I'm guessing it's also higher on somebody else's got list. Be doing that. But it's way higher. Way, okay. higher. Way higher. Matt, what's okay, your number higher. five? <laughs> well, do you know what? My number five is exactly the same as Joe's number five. Hey, same, so is ours. It's our top five. <laughs> it's number five. Number five. Number five. Okay. Number five. Okay. Mononoke Heime. <laughs> I feel bad. I feel like it should be higher. But right, okay. No, okay. I think, I think so, that's fair. Ali. Okay, it's fair. Mm. So, uh, Ali and Ma Mike, your number five is... Princess Mononoke. It is. It's exactly the same. From the list? Oh, you can't. It's got number one on there. So, okay. It is 100% number five, though. Hmm. So the only person who's got one that isn't 
higher on somebody else's list is me. And that's The Wind Rises. Number five. At number five, The Wind ah. Rises. That's now, the last film he ever made, no? Because <laughs> currently, yeah. Film. Yeah, worst film. Yeah. Currently, he's on, he's working he's working on one last one, apparently. Yes. Oh, yeah, they were good. Um, yeah, if we ever see it. Yeah. If, oh, really? we, yeah. if we ever see oh. it. Okay, so it is the worst one. Yeah. I'm gonna quickly go I'm gonna have a quick chat about this one and then uh we'll get we'll get we'll get on to the number fours. The wind rises. Um I really like this one. This one really surprised me. In fact, Studio Studio Ghibli has really surprised me, um, having watched all their films in very close order. Mainly due to the fact that it's such a mixed bag of styles. It's not they're not just kids' animations. They're not just um that that they're not they're not what you expect them to be. They are actual proper films with deep with deep ideas and deep meanings. This one in particular um is about uh the gent uh, about the gentleman who invented the um uh the zero the zero aircraft from World War Two and how he how he designed how he got to be a designer of um, uh, like uh, finding the mackerel, bo mackerel bones because he ate mackerel every day and he, and he used the design of a mackerel bone in the um, struts of an aircraft. But it's more than that. It's, at, it's actually a full-blown biography. And you, you don't usually get these in animation. You definitely don't get, and it still has its flights of fancy. And it goes from when he's from when he's a young boy all the way through to um, when he when his plane finally is finally used in anger uh, during the second during the Second World War. Um, it and it's actually rather tra it's actually rather tra a tragic film. It's it's a really big character piece. He he go he goes to Germany on a fact finding mission just just as the Nazis are taking over, but even though he's been invited over to see um, the aircraft that uh, uh, Juncker was making um, during uh, for the Germans, they won't let they won't let them see how they're built or any of the technology or anything like that. And then they go um, then they go back to Japan and. The, um, they're using flights, their flights of fantasy to um, uh, try new ideas. And um, the, fir the first plane that I think he, I think he designs, the first version of his plane, um, crashes on its test on its test flight. And so his bosses actually send him to the country to um, relax and um, to chill out because it, it hits him really hard that he might have almost killed the pilot. Because I think the pilot actually survived. Actually survives. But the fact that he almost killed his pilot um, really hits him. So he ends up going to a hotel um, in the country where he meets a, meets a woman um, and falls in love with her and um, ends up ba basically uh, they fall they fall in love and they want to be together and everything. But she's got uh, she's got tuberculosis for all intents and purposes. She's dying. But she asks him to wait before they get married and and they can't wait any longer and I, it's just such a really touching film and the only thing i can compare it to is uh there's a film from i think it's the 50s called first of the few which is about reginald mitchell who's the guy who creates the spitfire which is a, it and it's a Brit, it's a british film and basically it kind of treads the same sort of ground but as from um using uh, reginald mitchell in england 
and they're all they're all almost parallel stories of how they um found out what the germans were doing how it spurred them into making um designing better airplanes and and um their complete devotion um to their work um until in reginald mitchell's case he kind of suffers from exhaustion whereas this guy um starts to take a back seat due to the fact that his um fiance and wife are, are are dying and yet he still manages to get the designs done i did not i did not expect this sort of story to be told like this so that's why it's made my list at number five the the wind rises so i've got i've got his name here by the way uh oh, it's jiro jiro horikoshi that's um, right i think it's what his name is that's right and basically he's the, he's the designer of the first the first modern airplanes uh for japan to take off from um uh aircraft carriers can i say john i i knew you would like this film i, I knew that this was was one that you would like and i was hoping you'd get down to it because obviously it being the, the the very last one that um is on the list well there or thereabouts and um it's really personal film this one was for for Miyazaki he I mean he loves his his uh, his airplanes and his his uh, engineering schematics for for old planes as you would have seen in in um, Porco Rosso which was set in the Adriatic yeah in uh, in the the 1920s 1930s and he's got a love affair with planes and and then engineering and it's beautiful and funnily enough um the guy who did the main uh, voiceover work for the japanese uh, voiceover for the main character is uh, Hideaki Anno who's the director of the neon genesis evangelion movies oh, right yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and tv show so he voiced over um and he's got a very distinctive voice he's got a very kind of high pitched voice and if you have ever seen um, uh, The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, which is a documentary about uh, from about 2013 about the making of this film, The Wind Rises, yeah. and Studio Ghibli and Isao Takata's um, uh, the, the Tale of Princess Kaguya, which came out at a similar time, although that was in, in development many years before The Wind Rises. It took him yeah. about 10 years to make Princess Kaguya. But that documentary is fantastic, and there's so much information about... Um, the uh the the the, the process of, of the the animation the filmmaking the, the way the studio works and his obsession Miyazaki's obsession with with planes and architecture in general and he uses a lot of locations that actually exist yeah. in real life and you know everything was sketched just to, to scale and animated in that same way I like the film I think it's really really good for me the only problem was I was expecting another fantasy film uh, and that wasn't what we got. We got more so something more in, uh, akin to, I suppose, like what Takahata makes um, in general. There was no kind of that fantasy element of Howl's Moving Castle or oh. uh, or Ponyo or, or stuff like that um, that had come before. So, so for me, I wasn't that enamoured with it. I, I do love the beautiful animation. I think it's absolutely stunning. And I love, love the dream sequences that, that he goes on. The It's just, you know, it is absolutely amazingly um, uh, animated. And the music as well, Joe Hisashi is, is like on top form as usual, just fantastic music to listen to. Um, it's just outside my top five. I, I would have put it down at about seven or eight. But I mean, you know, there's so little between them. There really is. And, and going back, it's one of those ones that you can go back and watch. Uh, after kind of you know if you were expecting that fantasy type element we're a bit disappointed but give it a while go back and watch this again it's actually yeah. very very moving yeah um mikey do you want to go next well like to be honest like what matt's saying 
there is like no fantasy element of it. I know it's I mean, a bi- it's, uh, autobiographical he, he has or something like he wishes to make. Fantasy um, where, he, where he's uh, it's fantasy realism with the Italian guy. Fantasy yeah. realism, yeah. No, mm. it's boring. It's, it's... It is boring. For his last movie, he went out yeah. with a boring movie. Yeah. I, do... I mean, I mean, I don't like Mackerel, and I don't like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Fair no, enough. I just I thought it was a bit slow. I, I no, it's not like he didn't earn the right to do it. He made you know a bunch of films. Like you should be able to make what you want to make. But that's like for the that's like Ali says for, to go out like that. I think uh, I don't. Know. It's super personal though. I think that's what it was. That's it's why. Like, so sod it's everyone like, else. Personal, you know. And, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. The guy smokes like a chimney. I'm amazed he's still around. To be honest, if you see that documentary, he smokes about fifty cigarettes, like unfiltered cigarettes a day. You know, I'm not surprised he just wanted to do his own thing because he probably didn't think he was going to be around. Tom, um, do you, have you seen The Wind Rises? What did you think, man? Yeah, I have seen The Wind Rises. And um, yeah, so Matt, I, I think I think you guys have both sort of talked or talked about sort of described things that I agree with, really. Matt, you said about um, sort of your expectations, maybe being it being a bit different to your expectations. Uh, I'd say it was very different to my expectations because I saw this film in 2013 when it came out in the cinema. Uh, uh, my friend uh, Will and I went to watch The Evil Dead at uh, the Ritzy in Brixton and got in and watched 20 minutes of trailers and then it started and we actually somehow had not walked into The Evil Dead, but we wa- walked into The Wind Rises. So uh, <laughs> I actually watched the film completely by accident um uh about yeah what was that about nine years ago so i really was expecting something very different uh that said um i i think there's you sort of said uh what i kind of feel about it it's very much obviously a labor of love i mean you just have to watch any other ghibli film to see what uh air design and flying and um aircraft means to uh, miyazaki and, and the whole of ghibli as a as a brand anyway so clearly this is something is the real world and based on a you know, true story real um biograph- biographical story with this sort of very tragic sort of love uh love story tied into it um and i do think yeah exactly he's perfectly he's certainly got the right to to make what he wants i did find it uh, regard forget the fact that i was expecting to watch the remake of the evil dead even then i still found it quite fairly slow and maybe it just needed something like you do have these fantastical sequences with the uh, sort of seeing this italian uh, designer in his dreams and possibly a bit more of that might have helped jazz it up a little bit and and sort of made it a bit more fantastical but then there are the ghibli films which are not really fantastical at all and in very, very much set in the real world that I really liked. So I don't think it's simply a fact that it isn't, you know, a big sort of crazy imaginative work of art like some of the other Ghibli films. I do think it just generally wasn't, didn't really move quickly enough for me. Joe, well, how do you, how do you feel about this one? I, I am I'm a, on a similar kind of emotional level where I feel like, it's it's definitely it's still a good movie. I, I would say that none of the Ghibli, Ghibli movies are bad movies. I was bored by this movie. I think part of the problem for me was this was billed when this came out. This was Miyazaki's last movie, and Miyazaki at this point had huge, fantastical movies behind him. And I was on board. I was totally on board, being like, you know, this this is this is this is a bit of history right here. I'm going to see it. When I was thinking about making my my top five list this did not make the top 10 because i 
didn't remember it. Like that, that's my honest opinion. I, I do think it's a character story, but Takahata makes the better character stories while Miyazaki makes the bit of fantastical stories. I, I don't hate this movie. I loved, and I do agree, he had the right to make this movie. It was a labor of love. This is a movie he wanted to make and he needed to make it. And I'm glad he did. I still, I will, I will watch this movie again, um, but I wasn't excited by it. I, I think obviously so much of it is about the making of aircraft as everyone else has discussed, which is Miyazaki's theme throughout all of his movies. But, you know, I've seen better. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, that that's my number five, and it, sta- it stands alone. Um, okay, then. Uh... But good for chatting about it, John, because I think it's worth it. Because it has oh, a good, like, good, good chat. Good chat. Good chat. Good chat. Good speech. Bad film. But good bad chat. But good chat. It's not bad film. <laughs> it's a terrible film. Great. Okay. It's great. So, um, on to our number fours. Um, Tom, as our uh, as our other new guest, what's your number four, mate? So this one kind of stands out for me in my my top five list. I'd say it's very different to the other four and pretty much all other Ghibli films, really. Um, my number four was uh, is is Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, yeah. Right, okay. Good film. Anybody what? else got Grave of the Fireflies? No, we should do. It's so good. It's depressing as hell. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it. Yo, what? Yeah, what is your what is your number four it, going around? It's What's not going yours? It's not Grave of Fireflies. That would 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 come just slightly out of the top five. Um, yeah. Not far out, but but slightly out. My number four is um, yeah, it's uh, the overlooked one. I think in the uh, the oeuvre, the back catalogue of Miyazaki, um, it's Porco Rosso number four. Ah, now I've the red pig, got, the crimson pig. I've actually got the crimson pig on mine, ah, and I've good, actually got it good. slightly higher. Mm, okay, okay, so, similar taste. Yeah, similar taste. Um, Mikey, Al, Ali. Well, we, we this is what we didn't agree on. That's not what we did. And we swapped it last. I minute. would have we it higher. Up. I would have it at number two, but Ali did not let. Me. So what's your number four? Oh no, wait! I moved it up. What is on number four? Up. Oh yeah, number four is Howl's Moving Castle, oh. which ah. should be way higher, way higher. Why is Joe nodding? He's nodding the wrong way. It must be his who, cat. Who, who, who <laughs> else has got Howl? It's my. I have. We put Howl's Moving Castle, but I, I would have it higher. I feel a bit bad. No, I was still. Yeah, I'm gonna get murdered for this now. Okay, well, fine. Whatever. I stick by it. Who number else four has got is Howl's Moving Castle. Not on my list. It's on Joe's list. Is it higher, Joe? It is. Exactly. Okay. Joe, what's your number four, man? Sorry, Joe. My number four. <laughs> Booted away. I mean, I'm going to say it and Ali's going to get upset. Uh, my number four is um, My Neighbor Totoro. For shame! For shame! That wasn't, it wasn't in my top five. Oh, that, that is a big disappointment, Joe. We- weirdly, it's also in my top five. Yes, John. <laughs> <laughs> and slightly higher. Sadly, it's, it didn't make mine. It didn't make my top five. Yes, yeah, see, no. it wouldn't would have made mine either. Would it be now, surprising? Weirdly, that make, that makes my number four the only unique number four. I'm talking about little people hiding hiding in the house. Oh, yes, Arietti. Arietti. Amaretto. Amaretto. <laughs> Um, yeah, Arietti, um, which I, which I, I think is a lovely, uh, a lovely version of a classic of a classic tale from 1953. This is what I mean by Studio Ghibli picking text, which they they're not picking fa- they're not picking fairy tales. They're actually picking 
fantasies they're picking different things with uh multi-levels they may be children they may be ultimately children's stories but they're a bit more complex than um rapunzel and uh, snow white um and it's the story of a family of little people who live behind the uh floor the behind the sideboards of a house where a sick boy goes to recuperate uh, as he's got a rheumatic fever, um, which is uh, basically gives him a bad heart and he can't do much. He discovers Arietti on her first uh, borrowing mission uh, running through the house, seeing as borrowers are about, what, two inches tall? Um, and uh, they, they're borrowing uh, cubes of sugar. Her first borrowing is a, uh, a pin, a dress pin, uh, which she uses as a sword. I like it. Uh, I think I'm a bit of a sucker for these um, for um, the borrowers anyway. Um, I read the book when I was a kid. I think it's a very I think it's a very good version. I can't I can't tell you why I like this over the others, but I think it's just a little bit more. I think it's just that I, it feels like it's just got that little bit more about it than uh, others. Um, so that's why it ended up as number four on my list. Anybody else want to uh, chip in on Arietti? Yeah, I like Arietti. I think it's um, it's one of the better ones beyond. I, like, I don't know. You probably might get the impression, but I'm not a huge fan of uh, Takahata's work. You know, I, you know, he does some some good movies. He does different movies. They're different types. They're they're more real. You know, they've got human beings in them. In in the sense that there's you know there's real life events going on there that are similar to to uh, world. You know, not necessarily just world events. Um, and taking a such a well-established novel a story that we've all known we've seen being made two or three times on british tv for british drama not only when i was sort of like in my early teens or, or younger but they did it again like maybe 10 or so years after that as well so knowing that story so well i thought i was going to be a bit nonplussed by this um but i really genuinely enjoyed it a lot i, I thought it was great I thought the animation was fantastic. Now, the director is, um, uh, I'm going to try and pronounce his name now, uh, Hiramasa Yonobayashi. And he is, um, he's left Studio, well, Studio Ghibli was officially closed, although it reopened for this new film that Miyazaki's making. Um, and Yonobayashi moved off and started his own um, studio called Studio Ponok. And if anyone's seen his movie that he made, um, uh, Mary and the Witch's Flower, which is out if you try and see it. It's, it's, it's all right. It's got, but it's got that Studio Ghibli esque um, feel about it. Uh, and from the director of uh, of Arietti, um, and didn't he do when Marnie was there as well? Yeah, he did that one as well. Um, it's uh, it's a continuation. And at that point, Studio Ghibli was closed. Studio Ghibli was closed. Everyone was like, "Oh my god, it's all finished." But no, he moved on, and we always knew that there would be another studio that would be out there making similar themes movies as as studio ghibli and uh, the the you know the the, her, uh, the heritage would move on with him and it has done uh so yeah i like arietti i think it's a great it's a great fact i think the animation is very special in that very very special i'm always a bit of a sucker for um for many things in the in the the larger real worlds you know i, I, I actually, actually, I actually like the, the way i like the way that um, when they pour a cup of tea it actually looks like a a water droplet and it looks yeah, yeah, really thick. Such um, beautiful animation. Yeah. yeah. Mikey. Yeah, really gorgeous. Mikey, did you want to say something on it, mate? I, I reckon it's a great movie. I actually <laughs> loved it. You know the BBC version for drama for borrowers. Yeah. yeah. It was at, it feels like it was fat inspired it. 
because it was really similar, even the characters. Do you know, like the main character? Mm. She had like the same color hair, like everything. Um, They're based on the same the book, man. Same like, story, same book. It's, it's the same book. Yeah, it's from the book. But it? the characters, everything looked the same. Do you know what? Oh, I you mean about? you mean they they took the thing and thought the adaptation, adaptation. Did... You mean? Oh, it just felt right. really similar, and that's why I enjoyed it. I reckon it's a great movie. I really enjoyable. I love the whole. You know, I seen yeah. it once. That's it. and I I've, I remember it was good, but not amazing. It's really enjoyable. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, nice, it's just a nice story. It's, yeah, I agree. Before. Joe, what do you what do you think? Are you do you like Arietti or not? I remember going to see this in the cinema when it came out. Um, I, I do like this movie because I like, I do really, I think the story, the, the, the borrower's story is still quite interesting. When I would say, once again, when I was doing my list, this didn't make my top 10. I, I think it's a very beautiful movie. I think uh, there's like a, I say, isn't there like a, it's like a cat? It's like yep. chasing them. Like, I remember loving, like loving that and, and loving the, and the quite really like the relationship between, the sick boy and Arietti. I thought that was really, it was really, it's a really cute film. It's a really, it's like, it's a lovely film. It's a really nice story. Um, but I do remember, I say the main thing I remember with this movie is I went and, and took my partner at the time to see the movie. And I, I remember at the end, you know, when, when, when Ari, at the ending, it's a little bit of a bittersweet ending. I don't want yeah. to spoil anything. But I remember turning to my boyfriend, like with my eyes, like full of tears and he was asleep. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I feel like we've had two different experiences, and I haven't, I haven't rewatched it. That was the last time I saw that movie. Okay. Um, yeah. Just, just to say, the ending of that film goes into the next book. Oh, really? So yes. Me... There are, there are. I'm going to say five books. And, and I would say, I would, if they made more, if they made a sequel to that, I would watch it. Yeah. Do they? Do you think they probably had that planned? They probably did. You know. Maybe an Arietta yeah. two. Maybe it just didn't do very well because he made when Marnie was there after that. So maybe maybe it was canned. Who knows? Tom, Tom, what do you think, man? So I saw this a very long time ago, uh, well, around when it came out, I think. Um, my memory of it is a little hazy. Um, I remember enjoying, I think the thing that I sort of enjoyed most about it was the, the sort of repurposing of, and it's part of the charm of this and all the old borrowed sales as well, is the repurposing of like, things that we consider to be tiny and turning them into you know using them as as completely different things for these uh, for these tiny tiny people um and i enjoyed it as a kind of nice story it didn't again i mean let's i'm going to probably say this several times over the course of the podcast um you know there aren't really any really bad ghibli films we're in quite a quite a good little ring fenced selection of movies here so i'm not saying i don't think it's a good movie but I am saying I don't think it'll make my top five, top ten, possibly, possibly. But uh, yeah, I, li- I like the way we get descriptions uh, in, of Studio Ghibli films, like mind mind blowing. I think that's fantastic. That's why we're all here. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have to say that I've only seen one or two in the past, but actually sitting down and watching twenty odd movies uh, over the past week, it's kind of they're they're more than ju- they're more than just uh, a kids animation film. Uh, they are they are so multi-level and they are so well done and well realized it's um, very special the yeah, only the only people i'd say that were trying to do anything similar i would say was pixar pixar yeah and i think pixar are kind of kind of like the west the western version maybe but yeah, maybe not I mean, quite I mean, so much pixar obviously rides that sort of you know their kids films which have a lot in it for the adults and you know anyone could go along and enjoy them but i mean 
you don't they're get a grave of the fireflies. Deep. You don't get a grave of the fireflies made by Pixar. You know, they, they are like they do. There are a handful of really quite serious, really not very childlike films at all in the Ghibli thing. So I'd, I'd almost say they're kind of unique in in that respect. So that's Arietti. That was my number four. Um, Mikey, Ali. Yeah. Yes. Three. Should be number two. This shouldn't even be on the list. You can shut your mouth. So this this is nothing to do with me. This one. What do you mean? When money was there, yes, people. This it should be number two. That should be. Okay, Mikey, it, well, do I talk about so it yet? No. Has anybody else got when money was there? Liars, liars. Look right. at that. No one. No one. <laughs> on your Mikey, own. Do you know what it is. Right, it says nobody it? else it's, it's, has got it on their list, man. No one's got it. No one's. I thought. I thought for sure Matt would have it. I thought Matt would have it. Shame on you, Matt. Uh, I, I, you I know knew something. Joe wouldn't. I you want to know something? Me. I'm this. I was this close. Oh, did you like it? See, John knows, but it but didn't I, make it. It's, well, I'll, I'll, okay. I'll, so I'll, it's from a. It's from a book from the sixties. I think. It's, I think it's also from a British book. I want to say. I'm pretty sure it's from a British book, and it's about a girl. Who's like a really. She's really ill. I think her parents have died, and she gets sent away to like some place by the seaside, basically, because you know, she's, she's asthmatic. I mean, she's had an asthma attack, and so they send her away to try and clear her hair to make her feel better and. They sent her some relatives, basically. But she's very, like, kind of damaged girl. And while she's there, one night she she sees a mansion. She's a, like an old mansion. And there she meets a girl called Marnie, who's like the complete opposite of her. You know, she seems like very, she looks completely opposite. She seems very confident and, you know, like adventurous. And so they go like on loads of adventures together. And like it is definitely very magical. Like you, you end up wondering. You, you're not quite sure if Marnie is even real, whether she's like a ghost or an ma- imagination. I'm not of, sure if you're Anna. being for real. If you're just no, I know. But the film is so it's so touching. It's like a similar thing to Spirited Away of that whole thing where you know they go to like a they go to another place and and, and you know and, and that's where they feel, they, they yeah. kind of go there to heal you know to feel better and you know that kind of stuff. So it's got that kind of sense of wonderment and you know and, and magical and adventure you know so it's got similar themes to spiritual away it's not as it's not as crazy or anything like that it's much more about you know like human connection and it's a very beautiful film the music's amazing the 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 band the drawings are made like this they did that by the seaside and and where she goes is by the seaside and it's like really really pretty um and what it is it's got i don't want to spoil it in case well everyone's seen it but there's there's a whole twist of like who marnie ends up being yeah. right and so it's integral to their relationship but i, I thought no the the film is it's just beautiful the music's amazing i didn't know I, I remember talking to people after it came out and i was so surprised that no one else thought it was that great so i watched it a yeah. second time and i thought i liked it even more you know i said to you today i think i'm oh, gonna watch right. it tonight again um so you, you've mentioned five films you're gonna watch tonight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no but i remember i would flip between right so i'd watch to the way again then i watch house moving castle again i'd watch princess monarchy and i watch uh what's the other one i really really love i can't remember Tutorial. but i Tutorial. but i would always come back to this and I'd, I'd always feel like watching when marnie was there again and ponyo was the other one no, but but this one, I literally I can go back. I know some people think it's a bit slow. Some people think it's, uh, but I you yeah, find most Ghibli films, even when I love them, I, st- I still think they got paid. Even Spirited, they, even Spirited Away got paid. They're all slow. They all uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there is no su- there is no such thing as a fast Ghibli. No, film. not at all. They all have that pacing issue. Got all praise. Right? Yeah, yeah, you know. So uh, so that doesn't. I don't. I don't feel it. I don't feel it as. I don't feel the the runtime as much of that that I do with like House Moving Castle. Like, to me, that that film seems quite a lot longer 
I still love it, but it's a lot longer. It's a long it's film. Long, actually, when you talk about it, but it's a way better film. And it should have been where this film is. It should have been okay. at number three. No, no. no. <laughs> I was, we've got a lot, I, I think it's yeah. easily... We could, we, I think about it. We could... Yeah. Uh, easily the most underrated uh, Ghibli film. Ghibli film. Underrated. Okay. We could do a whole underrated. spin-off episode of Matt and Ali discussing like what they think their top five should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I, 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 think, I, I think it's incredible, honestly. And I think it's, it's got the best relationship between two characters I've seen in probably any Ghibli film. So I, I think he's like hit on Lord something there. Like, yeah. like they have like a lot of it's jealousy. Yeah, it was heartbreaking. It's true. There's, a, there's, a part, there's a part when Marnie just disappears and you feel like heartbroken for Anna. You're like, where the hell is she? She's like be- beaten down, broken down. She's like desperate to see her I think again. it's very forgettable. You know, you know what? I um like I I watched this film earlier today. Yes, and John. I I, I really liked it. Um, and it's it's weird because I don't know if it's the fact that we're also in pride at time of recording. We're also in Pride Month, but it really felt like a a, a, a teenage love story between yeah, say that. Uh, between between uh, the two the two oh, girls, and it it felt. Um, like, oh, there's a there's a film with Rex Harrison where basically he's a he's a goat he's a ghost of a sea captain, mm. and he, he and he um and he visits this woman and they have a love and they have a love affair and it feels really close to that, but also you know- but the thing that really got me was um Anna um Anna's predicament where the fact mm. basically she's she's um got such an anxiety complex. Mm. That she she doesn't fit in. She feels like an outsider. Yeah. Now I don't know if this is because I have daughters of about the same age, and I don't know if it, it's kind of feeling like the whole idea of outside looking in, mm. and that really taps into something that I felt when I was around about that age too, kind of being on the outside looking in and wondering what was what was wrong with me, but it it just it just felt really 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 well. Um, realized mm. and the the and the ghost love stories is very much a it's a it's a it's a staple of of uh western literature and i really i really liked it i thought i, I, it's and I thought it was at the end when you see a waving at the window at the end like oh it's well like in fact in fact i wasn't entirely happy with the resolution at the end but but there we go. Oh, yeah. so, I'm so, with I'm with you guys. I I I don't mind this film. It's it's in the middle, like of, of all the twenty odd films that that's, that are there. It's in the, it's solidly in the middle. I never really connected with it a hundred percent. And it's got it's a really humanistic film. It's lovely. It's got such lovely touches about self worth, self esteem, and you know where your place is in in the world. Um, it's also like has anyone seen like the 1960s version of the turn of the screw yes it's got it's got that kind of vibe to it it's got um you know there's a, the ghost story so that is oh, what i'm talking about really in that sense and also like it's also got a touch of um like almost like hitchcockian kind of like a yeah. vibe to it without it called, the man? sort of the thriller turn of the screw thank you uh yeah what's the henry that, james story the henry james story but it's the 1960s black and white version um yeah with some famous actress in that I can't remember her name of. Um, and also it's got like a little bit of like 1940s, 50s British film in it. It's got that, it's really good mm. kind of deep sense of, uh, of person. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I do like it. I just, again, it's one of those films that I think I wasn't expecting. And therefore, much like The Wind Rises, I was kind of like, 
yeah, I don't really feel like I've got my money's worth of this. Yeah. Um, and it's a real, and it's one of those ones that I'll probably go back to and really appreciate a lot more. A bit like yeah. fine wine, decent food. I'll go back and think, you know what? Oh, my palate's changed a little bit, and I'll, yeah. I'll go and I'll delve, delve a bit deeper. Palate cleanser. What I would have put in its place, I feel like I should just mention it anyway, because this was Mike's choice. I would have put Kiki's Delivery Service. <laughs> it's a great movie. It is a great movie. You know what? My my, da- my daughter that, has yeah. just watched that today. She loves it's that one. It's an awesome movie. It's she keeps going back. That's what I would have put in its place. Uh, anyway. This uh, <laughs> is what? <laughs> just quickly to finish off on uh, when Marnie was there. Um, yeah, when Marnie was there. Uh, Joe, Tom, what do you <gasps> think? Who wants to go first? Yeah, again, this is one I saw when it came out. Uh, it didn't leave a massive imprint on me. Um, I remember thinking it was nice enough. I kind of, you know, a bit of a sort of tear jerky kind of ending. I thought it was nice. Uh, it's the kind of thing I think if it had been live action, I probably wouldn't have gone to see it in the first place. Um, but uh, but uh, you know, as you it goes without saying, preface it. Uh, prefix every single uh ghibli film by saying obviously beautifully animated uh and and nice nice characters but just you know generally nice would be the one word review to to, uh, to to top all of this off i would say forgettable what rap the description i would describe it with it's 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 still a say it's still a good movie it's fine it's, but it's fine it's fine amidst amidst this list of this fantastic movies this movie is fine it is once again, it's not a Takahata movie. I, I don't, I didn't feel the character connection that I would from a, a, a real school. Yes, it's really well animated. I completely agree, but that's it. I think you should rewatch it. Me and you can, we'll have a night together. We will. <laughs> Do you know right. what's beautiful about this movie is that the, the way she discovers the house, it's so well plays. It's so um, delicately sort of like introduced into the story, into the plot. How she goes down to the beach after she arrived. It's, it is lovely. You know, more I think about it. I want to read the book. Yeah. Oh, by um, the way, Mike, Mike, sorry. The film is called The Innocents, 1961. The Innocents. The Innocents. All right. Yeah. Um, voted the the guy voted uh, in the uh, top 25 best horror films ever made. Thank you. And talking of the old films, um, the old film about the uh, ghost of the captain, um, Rex Harrison, 1947, The Ghost and Mrs. Muir, where basically a, a widow moves into a lighthouse and is then visited by a uh, ghostly spirit who, who and they have a romantic relationship. Oh, in so, a lighthouse. In 1947. In a lighthouse. You don't so, just get what's on the title for this podcast. You get a lot more, don't you, John? We yeah, do try. A lot more. We, try. we try our best. Um, okay. Uh, right. In that case, that was that was Mikey's number three. But number two. we have Matt's number three. We have my number three. We have Tom's number three. And we have Joe's number three. Let's Are they all go... the same? No, not entirely. Um, let's go with Matt. Mm-hmm. What's your number three? My number three, I wanted it to be higher because this is the quintessential. This is the most well-recognized, the most award-winning of all Western uh, awards for uh, Studio Ghibli. I wanted it to be higher, but I just couldn't do it because I have more personal. I have the, I have the two more bigger, per, more personal ones. But for me, my third, uh, um, and I really did want it to be higher, was spirited away. What a okay, Ma- Mikey and Ali have just. Right, we're gonna unmute ourselves mics. now. Mute ourselves now, boo. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Okay. I'm guessing you've got it higher, Mikey. Yes. <laughs> really quite higher. Okay. Just like the world would. Okay. Um, okay, Tom, what's your number three? Uh, my number three is Laputa, Castle in the Sky. Who's got that higher? You're the mute. I do, and we all heard you say Laputa is bitching. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, in fact, I've got a funny feeling that Joe and I have the same number one. Maybe. Okay. Well, okay. Well, I tell you what. The young, uh, let's go with Joe's number three to start with. Joe, what's your number three? My number three is Grave of the Fireflies. So good. There we go. Go um, now. We know that he's already been on one list at least, which was Tom's. And you had it at number four. So, Joe, take it away. I do think, in my heart, I want this movie to be higher because I think um, it's one of the most powerful anti-war movies ever made. Uh, it is amazing. It, 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 it's an anti-war movie that doesn't necessarily show any war in it. And it has such power in, in itself. Like, it, it's a story about two orphans, two children living in World War II Japan, growing up during it, um, their father's off in war um, and their mother is raising them and then their mother gets killed by uh, Blitz, basically. And I remember watching this movie the first time and there's this a really powerful scene of, you know, the little girl turning to her brother saying, is, is, do you think mum's okay? And, and he, he just looks at her and he's like, yeah. And it cuts to this, this shot of her body being thrown into a pile of other bodies. And it's just harrowing, just harrowing. And it's real, they, I know they made, they made a TV movie out of this, like a live action version of it. And it's like, it was held up as like, a, a, like one of the most important uh, war movies in Japan, because it is this, the real story in this movie is the relationship between these two children. And I think it's their aunt, their aunt who's like, told to take care of them and you know they they're just children just living during this terrible time trying to survive having no one no idea how to look after themselves and the, the the aunt's totally put out and doesn't know how to take care of these two children and these children well, we're gonna leave we're gonna leave we're not we're not gonna put up with you being in control of us because you know she's not as nice and friendly as their mum was and she's like, fine, go, go look after yourself. They starve to death. That's the movie. The movie is watching these two children starve to death. And it's awful, but amazing at the same time. And I would say that it, for me, this is the highest rated Takahata movie I had um, because it is so powerful. It tells a real human story about these, about how things went down during a really awful time when people are like lost during a war, not, not knowing how they should be acting. And it's a, there's, a, there's a bit at the end of this movie where this, this little girl is so hungry that she's, she's got these little marbles in this can and she eats them because she's so hungry. And it's like the, at this point, the, the brothers come with like some rice and I'm gonna, you know, here, here's some food you can eat. And, and she's just dying. She's just dying. It's just, it's terrible, but it's so important. And it's such a, it's still a beautiful movie. It's a beautiful, awful movie all at the same time. And I think I love it. I love everything about it. I think it is a movie I've watched two or three times. It's a really hard watch every time I see it. But I, I think it is one of the most important movies ever made. And I think 
everyone who watches Ghibli should see it. Okay, now I have to admit that this is one of the two films I didn't actually get, manage to get hold of. Oh, it's like oh. the most important, man. Yeah. Um, you didn't miss yeah. anything. It's rubbish. Um, strange, <laughs> strange, strangely, it's though, amazing. It's amazing. It, there, there, are, there are only two of uh, two um, Ghibli films which aren't available on Netflix, and this is one of them. Is that one of them? Do you, but do you know what, John? Do you, do you, you know can, what, John? You can, you can get it, and you can pay for it, but you can't, but it's not. All right. What's, what's the but other dude, one? That's but, not dude, but listen, dude, the amount of movies you have to go through to watch, like, for each pod, you know... <laughs> I mean, come on. There's there's bound to be ones you mentioned. It's obvious. It's... I, yeah, like I say, John, this... I've got the Blu-ray. I'll, I'll next time I bump into you, I'll, I'll give it to you, mate. I I, I I look for well. I look forward. To yeah, well, I think you I think you'll like it. I think yeah. I, I genuinely um, think you'll like it. Having having said that, anybody else would anyone like to weigh in on this one? I um this was the first Takata movie that I, I'd ever seen, um, and it was the one that I wanted to see the most having heard so much about it growing up. Um, and I, I have a lot of stories about, at some point I'll, I'll chat about these, but uh, stories about how I got introduced to Studio Ghibli and Hayao Miyazaki and all, and all, all the, the, the what have you with it, with, with the animations. And I imported this um, in early 2000 from America when it was released um, on DVD. And I put it in and I, and th those days I, on my days off, I, I was so into movies. I would, we, I think I've said before on this podcast where we, for some reason, um, <clears throat> we had uh, at that time, the local DVD video rental store uh, had uh, a deal with the family. So every time you go in there, we could rent for a pound. So I'd go in there on my days off and I'd rent three movies. This is about the most you can fit in during a day off. Yeah. You know, I, I, how sad's that? That's sad. I should be out going and enjoying myself and socializing. But yeah, I had those days as well. But I used to go in there and I'd get like three movies out, rent them and watch them. So I used to do that. Um, and then I'd sort of intersperse with movies that I had also bought or whatever and uh, to watch as well. And um, one of those day days I had this and this was the first one that I put on. I knew what it was about. I knew the subject matter, but I had no idea how har harrowing it actually was going to be. So it was, I put it on at 9.30 in the morning, <laughs> which is not the right time to, was well, no real right time to watch this film. Um, and I watched it. And do you know what I did? I immediately watched it again straight away. Um, so I watched it back to back twice. It was that moving. And I was literally in tears. I was, I was, I've never, this is one of the most important movies ever made. I genuinely will say that. And, and it's not on my top, six even it's i would probably if i'd have done a seven it would have been a number seven i love it dearly i, I genuinely do but it's such a hard film to watch and i've only watched it three times it might sound, that might sound a lot mm. to some people you watch a film three times it's a lot but you know this is going back to 2000 so that's you know 22 years ago it is so important and do you know what they did in japan when it was released right it was released in the same year as a double bill and the other film was totoro he was released the same <laughs> the same year, the same month, double bill, Takahata, Miyazaki, Totoro, back to back, and they played Totoro! them back to back. Yes. They played them back to back in the cinema. Totoro's I think I think is mental. <laughs> Absolutely mental. Which, which one do you play first, do you reckon? I, I actually don't know. I think this played second. They they get the they get the kids in, the kids watch it and then they bugger off. So yeah. the adults that are left over can watch the uh... But how mental is that? How mental wow. is that? And I, I think yeah. this should be played in every school, in every world. Uh, in every world, <laughs> in every parallel universe, <laughs> every school in every country, it's in all the world, so that every generation is to see how fucking awful nuclear war is. Because, yeah. you know, okay. 
Absolutely stunning film. Love it okay. to pieces. Along with When the Wind Blows, the one we all saw when we were in school. Yeah. Uh, the Ray Briggs, um, Raymond Briggs one. Yeah. One of the most important films ever made about nuclear war. Tom, you had you actually had this in your five. You had I it did, number yeah, four. I do. I do. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, it's just fantastic, uh, fantastically sad, and you know, agreeing as well with what Matt, Matt and Jerv said. Fantastically important and just so does something that I, I, I'm struggling to think of a a war film which deals quite so. Um, and obviously using war film as a very sort of vague blanket term, but um, that deals with so purely the civilian sort of uh, impact uh, of of the war, whether it's bombing or the work that, you know, everyone's doing when a war is on, you know, the lack of food plays the huge driving force behind this movie as it gets towards the end of the World War II and Japan's had all its supplies cut off and everyone is starving. And that's really what these two poor kids find themselves in the middle of trying to survive. Um, but it, you, you don't, you know, you see a couple of aeroplanes fly overhead, but that is really your only touching of any kind of war machinery or soldiers or killing, um, you know, the actual war machine, if you want to call it that, that you see. Everything else is is humans, you know, the, the people left in the villages, who, you know, the few men and then predominantly women and children who are left behind working. How are we going to have enough to eat? Uh, Joe mentioned the aunt who sort of, doesn't kick them out but basically ends up being so cold and so on and sort of finds it so difficult to cope with them as well as feeding her own family that they decide to take it by themselves and leave at a time and actually the the, the little girl Setsuko is is, is dying um uh, like quite you know and has dysentery and, and horrible rashes and the doctor won't even see her and doctor sort of um diagnoses her and then says next because there's no money for any medicine they can't give them anything they just tell her tell her what she's dying of and then move her along um and it's just every single step is so difficult to watch but you know this is this is a you know this is all based on a true story now you know probably not you know it's not biographical but this happened this happened you know and not just in this war but you know countless wars and throughout history you're going to get these horrific stories of families men women children you know dying in this way and i mean especially yeah the the scene where the mother dies quite near the beginning um sorry for the spoilers um but is just absolutely horrendous um not you know as if that wouldn't be bad enough but the actual you know the close-ups of this poor woman's body and what happens to it during this bombing raid uh is just absolutely yeah heartbreaking and then obviously leaving the two two kids alone um i mean one thing as well so obviously you know the subject matter is and, and the themes and the style of the film is very very different to I think pretty much every Ghibli films even the ones that are more set in the real world like The Wind Rises uh, you know, set at a similar time it feels very different because there's almost no sort of fantastical elements to it and there's not this sort of grand imagination and incredible visualizations of these uh, amazing you know crazy imaginative things happening it is really you know it could you know be a, a you know a live action story about you know this this terrible thing you kind of see that it's a ghibli animation and i wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people sitting down to watch this without knowing anything about it were deeply shocked and surprised by what they're watching because it's certainly not what you come to expect from ghibli films you know before it or after it um there's you know the kids the the older teenage brother kind of uses 
his imagination and his sort of, you know, this incredible will to stay alive and to look after his younger sister um, as best he can throughout it and sort of, you know, tells us stories and, and um, you know, actually ends up basically lying to her for quite a large portion of the film about the fact that their mother's dead because he can't face breaking it to her and, and in a way kind of paints a picture where actually mum's fine and mum's in the hospital. So there are these sort of like toned down elements of fantasy but it's it's you know it's a long way removed from the world of sort of Spirited Away or, or you know Nazca and films which are obviously like epic space epics almost or fancy epics, um, and yeah I mean it just it's incredibly hard hitting and and, uh, and I'd agree with what the, the guys have said about just being very important. I actually hadn't watched it until we started. I started watching films for this podcast first time I'd seen it, and um, yeah it sort of took took me by surprise even though I was expecting you know approximately. The, uh, the kind of film it was, even then, it really sort of mm. slaps you around the face. I'd, uh, I would also, yeah, recommend anyone who hasn't seen it to watch it and not be in the slightest bit put off by the fact that it isn't your standard, your your average Ghibli film, because it, it sort of adds a completely different and incredibly strong style of Ghibli film to their canon, which is completely unique. I think I don't think there's anything else, any other Ghibli film like this at all. So the more I'm talking about it, the more I think I should have put it higher than four, to be honest. But anyway, it did. It no, I, I'm with you there. I'm with it. Honestly, Tom, I'm with you there. I wish I wish I could have put it higher um, on, on the list because I think it deserves to be that high. I mean, it, just right at the beginning, where you learn that they're ghosts, you know, and you're just like, oh my God, I know what's coming here further down the line. You know, I know the subject matter and yeah. well, amazing film. Mikey, Ali. Ah, uh, great film. Uh, it's all right. Great film. No, it's good. It's great, great film. It's good. I've only seen it once because I, 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 I can't watch it again. It's way too depressing. It's way amazing. We were just saying, we used to be, we used to be, I remember talking to someone at work about it who said exactly the same thing that he could only watch it once. I can never watch it again. Uh, I, I remember also, I remember having, yeah, like, I remember like eyes welling up. I found, found it really, really sad. It is incredible. It is incredible. But um, I do feel bad it's not in the top five because I understand why. But to me, I think mean, we were saying this. It's just, it's not why I watch Ghibli. No. You know, it's, it's not, it's, it doesn't have the, like, like I, 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 I like watching Ghibli, you know, to lose, lose myself. You know, it's like you just yeah. get taken away. And, so it's not. I'm not saying that's not why you should like. Yeah, you, you know, each to their own. It's just not why I. Well, that's not. That's why it's not in mine. That's why it's not in mine. Yeah, yeah. It's only, 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 it's I... only because it's, it's amazing yeah. film. Incredible. I, I, I kind of, I kind of feel like this was, this was possibly a risk because this is one of their earliest films. This mm. is kind of like third or fourth one they released, and um, it and and sure, it's, it's not. Really it's not a. Fa- it's not a fantasy. <laughs> No. I mean, how challenging was that for them to decide, do you know what, I have such autonomy here and such uh, collective kind of like equality between me and, and Miyazaki that mm. I can I can make a film of this important and uh, distressing nature, all the while having this kind of antithesis that's going on with Totoro at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just proves how popular they were, that they knew that they could get anything through to the to the Japanese public, and I think obviously with Japan, especially with with uh, Hiroshima and, and you know and Nagasaki and, and the Second World War and nuclear bombs and stuff, that it was such an important topic for for them because there's this there's, that's been happened that's happened in Japanese animation before. There's th- uh, there's a film called Barefoot Gen, which is from the 90, late 1970s, which is a similar topic um, that that covers the same sort of thing. And again, they're all kind of based on manga, but I don't think this was. 
based on a manga or maybe i'm wrong i don't know was it completely original i'm not sure i i would say that i think i understand that it it feels like it would have been a risk at the time but i also feel uh that part of them making this movie was the reality of this defines part of what ghibli is it all of their movies are very heavily anti-war and this is the most anti-war movie that they made i would say that like other movies that are going to come up later and have already come up are very anti-war i think this is one of the defining themes of ghibli and this is them putting it on the front of this was the war that we've been through us as the people who were writing these stories and this is the story we want to tell because they were kids then they were kids both of them they were they were they were kids during the second world war as well exactly. so, yeah, yeah, they, were around. they told this story because they needed to and i think hence why for me when it comes down to the wind rises and the different the difference between that movie and this movie yeah. this movie is up here and wind rises is down here for me i okay. understand why he had to tell yeah. us but this story they both needed to tell Okay, well, that, that's Grave of the Fireflies. That's uh, number three on Joe's list, uh, number four on Tom's. Tom, your number three is? Uh, okay, so my number three <laughs> was, uh, was Laputa Cast in the Sky. Now, oh, so I'm, I'm, I'm guessing somebody's got Laputa higher on their list. Okay. What? So, yes. <laughs> Voiced by um, James Vanderbeek, so... Dawson. You see it? <laughs> And so James Van Der Beek, that was not the original dubbing voice. <laughs> Don't get mad, legends. Anyway, um, we'll come. We'll come to Laputa in a second. That kind of leaves my number three, and that's Porco Rosso. Go on, Porco now, Rosso. We I'm, like that. I'm, I've had two films all to myself, so I'm going to let Matt, who had this at oh, not this before, one, have a chat about oh, this one. God, no, not this one. I don't have a huge amount to say. This, this is this was my number four. This is going back. This is my number four. Yeah, I lo- I liked this movie a lot. This again, going back to uh, stories of how I was introduced to Studio Ghibli. Now, there was one film that I didn't really realize was a Studio Ghibli film until uh, a lot of years later, and I'm talking like I saw it about 1988, right? Which was unusual being uh, British, and I think Mike. Because you grew up in Spain, Mike, didn't you? You're a Spanish, Mike. So, you know, you grew up in Spain. And I know that Spain and Italy and lots of places in Europe Legends. had anime a lot earlier than we did in the, in the United Kingdom. Um, a lot of them, maybe not the same ones, maybe not the ones that we're talking about, but certainly a lot of animated series came out. And Well, I know that for a fact because I, I just know that they, they did. Um, having spoken to somebody else at work as well. Who um, who's Italian? Who who likes uh, anime and introduced himself to? Hello, Luca. I only used to watch anime in Spain. Yeah. Like all the series, Spain I didn't used even know what out here. Yeah. yeah, I used to get it all the time. You ever watched so... the, the, there was one called we call it Oliver and Benji, but it was a there was a football one, football based one. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. It. There's like there's a, there's video games of it on the Switch yeah. and stuff now. It's, it's like the best anime I used to ever watch that and oh. a table tennis one, and then obviously all the um, Dragon Ball Z. What was that really funny title for translation? From English to Spanish. Which one? It's a really funny one. I can't Love remember. to think about it. Yeah. No, there's a really funny title. Remember? Well, I don't much remember in the switch group. And Matt, there's a, a translation, English to Spanish. Well, I remember like La Puta, because like that means the bitch in Spanish. Well, and I used to have that DVD <laughs> on my on, on on my like desk 
and my mom came up one day yeah. and she just saw it and she's like she's like well religious and strict man she's like what is that on your desk yeah and I was like, that's like, well, name, confused. I was like what and then i read it out loud in my head like Porter. i said like, no <laughs> like no, no. That, that's just the name of the place she's like no get that out of my house you're well mad i think yeah, that's why they changed it to the castle in the sky castle in the sky yeah, yeah like so yeah. going yes. going back going but yeah going back to it it's like so um the earliest thing that i can remember i think was um uh something that i might talk about later on but back when i was thinking about these things and thinking do you know what i really really remember this and for me being being like into anime it was akira that got me into it back in the sort of the mid to early 90s right on vhs and manga video and all that sort of stuff and from that point onwards i was really into finding what i could watch as much and as quickly and as as you know as 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 soon as possible and there was a um uh, a shop because uh, I wasn't uh, living too far away from Sheffield. I was I was in Manchester, Manchester area, Cheshire around there, and um, there was. Uh, when I was growing up, I suppose you could say that it was a bit of a niche thing, the anime stuff that was going around. And I was about yeah. 13 then. And um, uh, you would find out from like uh, the, the publications monthly that were coming out, like Manga uh, Mania and Anime UK magazine, which was actually a really high quality magazine. It was full color, full gloss color magazine, like about 20, 30 pages. And back then it was only about three pounds. Now it'd be about 10 pounds a, a, a month coming out. It'd be so expensive to produce. But you get your information from there and you'd have the personals, uh, the, uh, the classifieds in the back. And you'd have like all the comic shops that would uh, would um, advertise in the back. And the Sheffield Space Centre was uh, was the comic shop in Sheffield that I used to travel to. And I used to get my dad to take me up there and stuff. And uh, they used to import the uh, the videos from Europe and from America uh, on NTSC. So it wouldn't play in a UK PAL video recorder. Yeah. So I would, I would, you know, I'd be like, oh, saving up my money, my pocket money to buy a VHS player. Because you could get them that would play NTSC videotapes. <laughs> but the thing was, when I eventually got one, the TV that I had wouldn't take the signal. So I had yeah. to get a TV that would do it as well because it would just play in black and white. And it would strobe. Um, so anyway, I digress. Um, so I used to like import a load of videos and stuff, anime videos. And I used to see like some of the Miyazaki films that were were out that were released in America through a company called Streamline Video. And um, some of them were really poorly dubbed, really badly dubbed. Um, but there was one that I never got to see. And I was so desperate to see it. And the only time that I ever got to see it was when they released the DVDs in Japan. Porco Rosso. First time I ever saw it was via an imported DVD from Japan. And um, I was told, and I read somewhere, that the best version to watch was the, the French version. Well, not the best version, but if you're going to watch another another typical kind of like dub, watch the French one, because it was it was voiced over by Jean Reno, who did the uh, the voiceover for the, the, main, the main character, the Crimson Pig. Um, and I just fell in love. This was such the one that I'd never thought that I would ever see but I did end up seeing, and these all came out like before Princess Mononoke was in the theaters in Japan. Sorry, no, no, Princess Mononoke was the last film that had to come out in Japan. So the DVDs were starting to roll out. And um, from that point onwards, I was like, right, I've got to get the back catalogs in to see all the ones that I've missed. Um, and Paul Carosso is just this, this, it's amazing story about uh, how, how would you describe it? God, it's, um, 
it, again, it's got that that real feel of like 1940s, 1950s British cinema in it, like the Powell and Pressburger films of, uh, um, I don't know if any of you guys have seen The Matter of Life and Death yeah. and The Life and Death of Colonel Blimp. They're all these kind of like, ethereal films matter of life and death it's fantastic oh god it's and this movie for me has got that feel about it it's got you know um i mean it's been such a long time since i've seen it but uh, this this guy's cursed right isn't he's cursed um and it's it's in the 1920s uh we're we're going between the world war one and world war two and um this guy's come out of world war one he's an italian pilot and for some reason, he's turned into a pig, right? He's turned into a pig. Or, he, you know, from, from what I can remember anyway, I haven't seen it recently, so you guys can correct me if I'm incorrect. He's he go basically, on, on. He's, he's paid to protect um, shipments from air pirates. That's it, yeah. That's so it, that's it. so he, he, he's, he, yeah, basically, he's, um, he's the security guard. It's he's he's called mean, if beautiful. the pirates attack. Yeah, it's beautiful. And the first time we see him, he's on his, his own little private beach, isn't he? Uh, in his little hidden cove and he's sitting there on his deck chair and he's, he's you know, he's, he's, he's talking like this. And then all these, I love the beautiful animation in, in inside the airplane where you've got all these mechanics that are going like this and his feet are hitting the, the kind of the pedals and stuff like that. But he's got a beautiful relationship with this, this lady as well. Um, mm. And there's, there's tons of themes around it. You know, you've got the great depression, you've got um, you know, obviously the world wars and stuff like that, but it's also very funny. It's very, very funny. And it's got a beautiful fight scene at the end yeah. um, with him. And um, is it the Mamiya, Mamiya or, 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 I, I, Ioto, I, I, Ioto gang? I, Ioto? Anyway, but, the other gang. Yeah. Sorry, but, go on, John, jump in. Okay. Um, basically, basically what, ha- what happens is um, at the beginning of the film, he... Uh, fo- His name's Marco, by the way. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. He, fo- he, foils, an, he foils an attempt by this uh, air pirate gang. Um, who and then all the local air pirate gangs get together to hire uh, a flyer to take him out. Yeah, because they're so, all connected with the fascist government, aren't they, in, in Italy? Yeah, well, yeah. What and basically, basically, uh, Porco used to, used to fly for Italy, and they want him to fly for Italy again. Right. So yeah. and um, basically, he has has the encounter encounter with this American flyer who shoots up his plane, basically, and so he ends up having to go and get it fixed in Italy, in Milan, um, where he's wanted uh, for desertion. Uh, and is there a beautiful scene where he's escaping from from that, um, and he's going down the canals? Yes. In, uh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, they're all they're basically all water planes. And um, he he ends up at the end uh, fighting fighting the American who comes back um, for honor. So basically, they have this air battle. They run out of bullets. They land. It, they yeah. pu- start punching the crack. The and crack they're on a little people. island, aren't they, in the middle of the Adriatic? And, and they're just like they're just beating the cack out of each other. Yeah. Um, and in, in the end, it's a case. Of, okay, we'll call it a draw um and um and uh yeah and basically ends up him escaping from the attack from the italian air force and um i i like it i saw the Ameri- the recent american dub which is on netflix uh Por- porco rosso is voiced by michael keaton oh, um, i've not i've I, not heard that one I've yeah heard, i heard i heard the very very older one um, yeah uh, and it, it it's it's one of it's one of those it's one of those caper films that I, I kind of like it, it. It's it's silly, but it it, it works. Yeah, 
bit, a bit um, like a mad mad world if you've ever seen that yeah it, it, it's that it's that sort of film and that i i i really i i really liked it. yeah it, it's I, I, it's, it's fun it's fun and i really yeah. enjoyed it yeah. anybody would anyone else like to chip in yeah, on this I one mean, just says well because when he takes the plane back to milan for fixing he goes to his old his old uh his old mate number one aeroplane uh, designer engineer uh, supremo um expecting him to do all the work and then uh, well he actually didn't get it fixed as he to built daughter, him a whole new plane but except of course uh it's not him who uh it's not his um reliable old um Piccolo, I think his name is Piccolo, yes, the engineer. Piccolo. He says, well, actually, for this one, my granddaughter is going to build it for you. And again, and then that basically brings in this uh, uh, young uh, Theo, Theo Piccolo, I think is the... Uh, yeah, Theo Piccolo is his yeah. granddaughter. And uh, and obviously, Porco's a bit uh, dismissive at first. He's like, well, this, this little girl can't build me a plane. And then, of course, she designs this absolutely incredible thing that flies faster than anything he's ever flown before in his life. Um, and it, that also sort of ties in then with all every other Ghibli film basically that I can think of has either a young child or a teenager as the central character. Now, obviously, the central character to this film is is Porco, but you are then sort of introduced to this very feisty, very uh, headstrong young girl who turns out is pretty damn good at uh, designing planes, and then comes with uh, Porco as they escape down the and, canals. Escape and and, and, and she she actually gets him out out of trouble initially with the, with the air pirates, and yeah, yeah, yeah. she she she, yeah, she proves, proves her worth. To be a lot smarter and a lot yeah, exactly, a lot more useful than. Uh, and Porco uh, sort of took her for it at first. Um, I uh, it, it didn't make my top five, but I did. I, I hadn't seen it before um, watching it for for this uh, podcast, but I did really, really enjoy it. Um, there are a couple of little things that maybe for me meant it didn't quite get up into the top five. Um, and I don't know. I can. Some people might say this is a reason that it's good for me. I felt a little bit like there was something missing. Uh, Matt, you said you couldn't really remember why he was a pig. It's probably because actually at no point in the mm. film do they really explain why he's a pig. They do refer to a curse, but you get absolutely curse. no explanation. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, you know, it's just a curse. Yeah, we're not and told when or where or how. Sort of, you know, reminiscing um, to, to a friend in a bar, and uh, that's kind of all the insight you get. Now, I, I'm not somebody who needs everything spoon-fed to me in films, generally speaking, but I did think it was like... So he's just he's he's just he's just a pig, just a man who yeah. is now a pig. Without you know, I wanted at least a hint of where that that kind of might have come from because there wasn't really any other kind of super fantasy element. Obviously, it's all very overblown, um, sort of stylized, but there wasn't really this other magical world that you really touch on, apart from the fact that oh yeah, he's he's a pig. Uh, uh, yeah, so I thought I... that, was, that that was a little odd. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it kind of taps into my uh, steampunk leanings as well with the whole the whole um, amped up planes and things like that. Joe, what, what how do how do you feel about Porco? I do think uh, it, it's a very Miyazaki movie in terms of it's you know it is there's so much emphasis on the planes and the the style of it. Like as, when you were talking about the wind rises earlier, I, I I stopped myself from saying it, but I feel like. The Wind Rises is like a poor man's Porco Rosso. Like right. Porco Rosso is, is, is has a story, and I agree. Like I, I, the 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 whole curse thing, um, you know, it's like he's when he's sleepy, isn't cursed, but it's more. It's more like he's like, what does the curse mean? Is it? It's like for me, I was always of the opinion that he believes himself to be a pig, hence that's why he's a pig. When he's asleep, he's free of this curse, so he doesn't. Yeah, he's a pig. It's very like. 
but because it, I, I understand it's like there's no there's no nothing is pinned down with that so it becomes kind of you know it, is, it doesn't mean anything but I still I like this movie it, it didn't make my top 10 um but I and I haven't seen it for a long time at this point but I I do really like this movie I think it is interesting. I, I do like the relationship that he has between A, the woman he's defending and the woman who's designing his planes. You know, yeah. There's a lot to be said about it. Um, a lot has been said about it. Um, but I, I, it's a good movie. I, I, I say, like, once again, if we're going from, you know, in the 1F25, I would put this in the middle, but I would put it near the top of the middle. That's the nicest I can be. It didn't make my top 10, but it would be, it would be like number 11. And I think it deserves to be there. Okay, okay, Mikey, Ali, how do you feel? How do you feel about Porco? I think for someone who doesn't eat pork, that is a lot of talk about a pig movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it's like Wind Rises with pigs. <laughs> I don't write it. I know I've only seen it once uh, a long time ago, and not even all of it. I was quite bored by it. I, I didn't, but I, I might have been. I think no, I was gonna say I wasn't even that young. No, because I saw it like in uni. For animation style as well. Yeah, really no, I don't like it again. Like no, to me, and no. I know that shouldn't really affect the movie, but there is something to do with the way the movie looks, which kind of sometimes affects how you feel about a film. And I was just I couldn't connect to it. Mm. I think that's the problem with it. I don't. I feel the same about like, it. Cat Returns. Yeah, same as the cat returns. Seeing cat returns, I just don't yeah, like I, it. Yeah, I, I have, I kind of like the. Oh, cat Matt's mad. I liked it as well. Not top five, but I liked it. I mean, it was still better than when Marnie was there, but that's not. Shut good. up, Joe! <laughs> <laughs> You're not muted. <laughs> okay, um, so that me. was that was my that was my number three. We um, basically. Yeah, you number three, John. That was my number three. Was it? Oof, yeah. Cool. I, number I, I, three. Pretty high. Yeah, I like. I, I like. I say, like. I say. I, I'm it. a, I'm a big it. fan of uh, the, the flying thing. movies and the. Hey, we've got different opinions, and that's what makes it a beautiful thing. Then we're on the number twos. <laughs> yes. Okay. Now we are getting into the proper good ones. <laughs> the, right. the bones of the, the pork. So we've had... bottom of the barrel or the top of the barrel, depending on how you think. Here we go. Um, let me see. Crap. Let's go with Joe. What's your number two? Um, my number two is um, Spanish Mike's favourite Spanish term, La Puta, Castle in the Sky. Oh, hold on a second. Okay. Have you said... I thought you said it wasn't even in your top five. Have you said Spirited okay. Away yet? It's higher than number three, which is what Tom... Spirited Away, not in your top five? What? Who's... who's okay. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Who else has got La Puta? Well, in number two, no, not, not no, no, in it's my list. number three. I have yes, yes. Higher, higher, same or higher? Higher. Okay. High, high. Honestly, honestly, Matt, I, I thought I was hoping that you would put it at number one, so I would. Put I it. did put okay. it at number one. Well, the original, Tom, the original Ghibli movie. Tom, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is uh, Princess Mononoke. Yes. Right. In that case, I'm going to let you lead. I'm going to let you lead off on this one because I know other people have got it, and we've been waiting quite a some time to talk about this one. <laughs> it's a good movie, man. Talk about it, Tom. Go for it. So, so no, nobody's got it any higher than number two. No, we had it at number. Five. I feel bad because I, I would. I, I, oh, oh, you wanted to. I, I, did, I wanted to put it at number two. Okay. Well, let's let's hear from Tom. Let's go with an overview. I actually coming into this podcast, I thought I knew what my 
top five. No, that's not true. I didn't know what my top five were going to be, but I thought I knew what my number one was going to be, and I thought it was going to be this film. Um, since then, I have changed that opinion. Uh, I think this is absolutely fantastic in how um, sort of uh, amazing it is as, as you know, another kind of anti-war um, uh, film, a very, very environmentally focused uh, film about protecting your environment and looking after your uh, your surroundings um, and as with so many other Ghibli films fantastic sort of young um, feisty protagonists um, both the sort of I don't know whether you'd say the lead uh, character was the young boy whose name I've momentarily forgotten uh, or Princess Mononoke herself um, but they're both sort of equally strong-willed and uh, trying to protect their sort of their families or their tribes or their people, depending on what way you look at it. So um, basically, you know, general overview is the uh, these uh, boars uh, are. I don't really know where to start. It's quite a quite a long winding uh, film with lots of storylines. So Ashitaka basically uh, goes to. Um, I'm now like struggling to remember all the ins and outs of the plot. That's how amazing I thought this was my number two film. Um, it's, it's hard. This film is an epic film. It is. Yeah, it, it, it's it is. Winding. It's almost sort so of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I mean, basically, there yeah. is a demon attack at the beginning of the film. Yeah. Um, in, in Hashitaka's land, at which point he gets poisoned by the demon. And the the, ba the basic plot from there is that he then goes to f find the demon to try and get rid of it. That that that's that's his that's his story arc. So he tra travels to the land yeah. um, where this demon is from. In fact, it, yeah, to try and relieve himself of this demon. Yeah. So his his arm in that attack at the beginning by the demon, his arm gets uh, sort of injured and has these weird, horrible, uh, wormy things crawling out of it. And so he has to go to try and find the demon to, I think his original message, he decides he has to kill. It was the, the, the pig demon, demon, wasn't it? It was the pig demon. The, is, is that the one that he, he gets of, bit Yeah, by? it's it's like a demon that exists inside a boar. So at first he thinks- A boar, a boar demon. He, he believes this boar to be uh, an evil demon. And actually, as the film goes on, you, you realize that it's something that inside of the, the boar. Um, and effectively what it is, is humankind's uh, uh, attacking of these uh, these boars and the um, spirit of the forest um, that in which these boars and apes and various other animals live in uh, through the humans sort of attacking them these creatures have start to uh, have become possessed particularly some of these boars um, and they've basically gone sort of slightly mental almost rabid and uh, the film sort of builds up to these boars then attacking um, a, um, a human, I think Iron Town is the name, but a human sort of settlement where, you know, most of the people are, with, as with many Ghibli films, they're these sort of fairly simple but, you know, nice enough um, townsfolk, but they're often, in this case, led by a sort of megalomaniac um, sort of leader, uh, Lady Eboshi, in this case, who uh, is trying to do all sorts of terrible things to nature, including killing the uh the spirit of the uh forest or the forest spirit sorry uh which is actually a, a, a physical thing which is like a very very strange looking uh deer very magnificent deer with about 
100 antlers and the face of a human, which is pretty weird. Um, anyway, it's beautiful, so that's always, at the same time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, but very, very spooky. Uh, and it sort of has these two forms, one that takes a day and one that takes at night. Uh, and it turns out towards the end of the film, Lady Bosch is actually trying to um, kill this forest spirit because she's blaming it for uh, sort of... Um, driving these various animals to attack Iron Town when actually it's more the human uh, humans attacking the animals in the first place and having shot some of these boars uh, that uh, is, has basically caused them to become possessed. So there's an awful lot going on. In the middle of all this, you also have uh, um, the young uh, Ashi Taka, the prince with the uh, possessed arm, meets or is almost uh, killed by uh, Princess Mononoke, who is a uh, f- human female um, who, uh, well, princess who actually lives with three wolves, a mother and her two uh, very, very large, very dangerous uh, wolf cubs. Uh, and she was picked up when by them when she was very young and was raised by wolves, this sort of Romulus and Remus kind of uh, storyline. Now uh, she's very, Princess Mononoke and the wolves are very, very angry about uh, all these sort of uh, pollution and attacks that these the people of Iron Town are making on uh, on them and on the the apes and on uh, various and the boars and various other animals in the forest, um, and so uh, they are often attacking these you know little groups of people from Iron Town when they're out sort of foraging and they kill loads of their men and then you know this is basically just a sort of tit for tat ongoing battle between the sort of force of nature and these various animals and Prince Mononoke and the people of Irontown. Um, this all sort of comes to a head at the towards the end of the film when um, we realise as well that um, Lady Aboshi, the, the leader of Irontown, is trying to basically put a nail in this whole conflict by having the, the forest spirit killed by a um, by a group of sort of uh, mercenaries that she's hired. Um, in the meantime, uh, 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 Ashitaka sort of meets Prince Mononoke and, and they kind of eventually uh, sort of uh, hit it off. Um, and then they try to work together to stop um, these, well, stop the people killing the, uh, the forest spirit, but also stop these uh, boars from utterly destroying uh, Iron Town. Uh, because basically all these two sides want to do is kind of tear chunks out of each other. Um, I mean, for me, for me again, yeah, trying to explain all the ins and outs of this plot is uh, is 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 long, complex. Probably should have given a bit more thought. But uh, the overall sort of feeling of the film is that um, you know this is fantastically strong environmental um, issues. This film was made in 1997, so you know plenty of other sort of Ghibli films have been made before that and since with this very strong environmental message and this is a long time before 97 is certainly films in the 80s a long time before you know people you know the, the whole world have really woken up to the idea of climate change their films made in the late 80s and in fact mid 80s by, by Ghibli which also sort of deal with with similar um similar ideas so uh, f- for me it was it's the strength of character of Mononoke I also think it's got arguably the best actually it's probably the second best because i love the score to one of the other films on my list but uh, i think it's what certainly one of the best soundtracks uh, this amazing soaring music um and uh, yeah i i just i i really loved it i i think i've probably watched it twice before uh and then i watched it again recently and it's i it's certainly the ghibli film that left i think the biggest imprint on me from the first time i 
I kind of saw it. Um, it really left a mark. And then, as I said, it was going to be on my number one. And then I rewatched another one and, and realised, actually, I think I prefer that one. But um, I'll tell you about that later. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know if anyone has anything else to add. But uh, for me, it's definitely one of the strongest two, I think. Again, well, I mean, I could, I could also probably shuffle everything around and have it further down the list because there's just so many good films. But I'm also worried it's a bit too similar to my number one. But there we go. It's my number two. Okay, well, we do have three other people who actually had this on their list. Um, much lower down, but um, that's that that's fine. Um, it didn't make the list for me. What? That's well harsh, John. I'm going to be a dissenting voice. Well, you, look, you've already heard most of my choices. It was too it messy. It 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 was tried. To, it was just a bit too messy for me and there was no real through through line i, I was talking there's talk of corruption and balance and uh, there aren't really there aren't really um everybody's a gray character in this everyone's doing it for the right reasons but not necessarily the right thing um whereas uh well apart apart from the lead mercenary who's just an evil bastard and doing it for the money um in saying in saying that though, he's um, it's it's a very nice film. I just found it incredibly long, and it just I really felt it. I really felt it on my on my bum cheeks, and it just, it, it just didn't work. It just didn't work as well as another film which I think we'll be having a chat about um, very soon. So oh no, okay. So Joe, okay. Um... I completely disagree with you, mostly because I think that the greyness of the characters is the best thing about this movie. Lady Yaboshi, who is the most memorable character from this movie, is both a villain and kind of an anti-hero at the same time. She is saving people. She is fighting the forest, but she's also fighting the forest and she's giving lepers and women who are basically... Street forced yeah. to into like sex slavery you, and freedom and she's I, doing that and fighting the forest at the same time yeah and joe I, th I think my i think my problem is is not necessarily that the characters are gray it's the fact that the characters are so earnest no i i i completely and I, th I think that i think just just to make that distinction i completely understand you but for me that's the point of this movie the point of this movie is the reality of it's just people living in a world who are trying to find some way of surviving and it puts them at odds with nature. And it's that reality of humans versus nature. And it, that's what makes them morally gray. Lady, Lady Yaboshi is morally gray, not and she's not a, necessarily a bad person. Like she is trying to help the people of Irontown, but at the same time, by doing that, she attacks nature itself, and she has to attack nature itself to provide for these people. And that's what makes it such an interesting story, because in the same way, like the spirit of the forest, the, the, the big antler ghost, um, yeah. it isn't really good or bad either. It's just part of the forest. And it, 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 is, that same, it is also morally ambiguous. Yeah, well, it also destroys and creates. Exactly. It's both. It's, it's as morally ambiguous as Lady yeah. Abortion herself is. And it's that thing of what I, it's another, one of the reasons it's in my top five is because it's emblematic of Ghibli again, not making villains 
clear cut because villains are villains in certain light. Like in, in another yeah. movie, Lady Eboshi is the hero of this movie. She is, she, yeah. she totally could be, she's saving all these people, but she's also destroying nature. And it's that thing of she, it, without Lady Eboshi and her actions, the movie doesn't happen because she, she's creating this boar yeah. um, demon and to exist by attacking it. it it's, and- Go, 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 go. Sorry, so I was going to say, I mean, that's something also you get in so many Ghibli films. It's almost impossible to find a purely evil character in any Ghibli film because every time you are sort of, you come up against something that's trying to kill your protagonist or something like that, it's portrayed, you, even if it's not immediately apparent, certainly by the end of the film, you get to see that maybe they were driven by something you didn't quite understand or wasn't you weren't aware of to begin with. Um or that actually the people being attacked were kind of had been asking for it, or or at least there's some kind of communication attempts to be made often by the, the really pure, the really good sort of protagonists, again, usually children or teens, of which there are many throughout Ghibli. There is an attempt to be made to find out, you know, why are you doing this? Can't we talk about this? And you almost never come up against someone who is... Uh, just evil for the sake of evil. There's always something there driving them where you go, oh, actually, yeah, I kind of, you know, see it, see it from your point of view. And as you said, you know, with Lady Boshi and, and even the forest spirit, when when towards the end uh, you see a side of the forest spirit in under extreme circumstances, certainly, but you do see a side which is not just all pure flowers and happiness and nature and life. It's very much destructive. Um, and so there's that flip side. Yeah, for, yeah I, think, I think sort of... Um, multi-layered is probably a better way of describing the characters necessarily in grey because it's not that they it's ambiguous so much as it's sort of complicated um for all of them i think um you know good and bad i think might might was somebody said as well that uh, the only person you really know the true um uh sort of motivation of is the um mercenary who's been hired to to kill the uh to kill the forest spirit and he is purely in it for the money uh, yeah. but everyone else you do see kind of two sides of the coin yeah, yeah. and, and it, uh, to add to that point i would say that i feel like the movie still it it's still lady eboshi is still wrong you can understand why she's doing it but she's still wrong and the the mercenary character whose name i can't remember like he is a villain and he is out for the money but you know at the end of the movie when he's lost everything he doesn't care. He doesn't go and, you know, murder a Shitaka and, and Princess Mononoke. He lets them go on. Like, he's yeah. not angry. He's out for the money. Yeah, he's missed his chance, but he's fine with it. No one is. There is, yeah. I would completely agree, is like, there are no real, the only real villain in Ghibli movies tends to be war. And I would say that in that, in this movie, the war is between people and nature. And yeah. it's, yeah, it's really aware okay. of it. I think it's great. Right. Okay. Mikey? Ali, do you want to? What do you, John? Princess Mononoke. We had it at number five. Yeah. I don't think there's much else to add. What you guys have said. I mean, it is an awesome movie. I think it's the, it, it is the most epic movie and the most cinematic movie of all the Studio Ghibli films by a mile. I'll say that. Good okay. Point. Okay, and uh, Matt. I like it. I think it's good. Um, it was down at number, what was it, uh, John? Number four. Uh, number throw, five. Throw I think I would have a number two now thinking about it, you know. Number, number five. Uh, no. Do you know, Eboshi for me, Lady Eboshi is like the symbol, the the metaphor for the modernism. You know, she wants to usher in the new the new era, you know, and she's fighting against um, the classical 
uh, <clears throat> Japanese culture, which, you know, you see Japan now, Japan is, is 50% um, <clears throat> economy, 50% money-making capitalism, and the other 50%, it holds on to these, these traditional values. And uh, I think that's what this movie is about. Um, I, lo- I love it. I love the little sweet touches. You've got the, the Ghibli touches in there of the Kodama, the little tree spirits, the head, the head things, you know, they're brilliant. I love those. Um, I like the tree spirit, the tree, uh, the tree, the spirit of the forest rather is, 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 is brilliant. I think it's devastating when he gets shot um, by the old dude. Is that the one you were talking about? The, the, the old dude, the, the, the hunter. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I, I like it. I think it's a really, really great movie. I think it's probably one of the, the more important ones. Uh, it's definitely in a top five film without a doubt. Uh, and everyone should see it. It's one of those ones put on the list. If you're going to see a, a Ghibli film, definitely. Um, I would probably start with with actually no maybe it's a little bit too serious to start with but certainly come in there and then in sort of two or three after you're beginning to watch them yeah okay um right okay well that's that one let's uh i'm gonna because i've actually got your list i'm just gonna pick out the films that we've got left in the order we've got left um just because we're running a bit long uh mikey ali you're number two are we saying our number two um, now? And it's Joe's number four. Was it My not- Neighbour Totoro. Um, so, Ali, tell us about uh, My Neighbour Totoro. If I was to think of any Ghibli film, for one which pops to mind, <laughs> apart from one which is number one, is this movie. It is, I think it sums up Studio Ghibli the best for what they're known for and what they're best at doing, which is... the logo. And it's always on their logo as well. And why would you put it on your logo if it isn't like up there? If the best, one of the best Ghibli movies, it's magical, it's beautiful, it captures everything I think they stand for. Mm. Don't you think? And I love a story. I think it's personal to me as well. Obviously, movies, what you connect with. So the story is about these two girls their mum's in hospital, they're living with this dad in this magical kind of forest and this crazy rabbit creature. They've got one of the best characters. I would say it's the most memorable character out of all the Ghibli movies. Totoro is an awesome character. He's so likeable, he's so funny. You've got the cat bus, which is an amazing character. It is, do you know what? Good. I was fortunate enough. Oh, I've been to map. the Ghibli Museum in Mataka in Japan, and they've got a full size cat bus. Which, yeah, full size. You can jump in it, you can play in it. It's wicked. <laughs> <laughs> yes, people. <laughs> you can play in it. I love it. I think Totoro is a beautiful, it's super joyful story. It's joyful, it's happy, it's good vibes. I don't, I love the animation style. I love the characters. The little, do you know the, the little soot creatures in the house? I love them. They came back in Spirited Away, didn't they? They came back in Spirited Away. And as they well. used you them in Spirited Away as well. They did, they did. And I just love the, the connection between like the two sisters and the dad and how he looks after him in the house. And that house is just for for setting it's in. It's like a broken down house and he's repairing it and where it is. And you've got that beautiful tree out in the back. There's just something about it, which is the most one I have watched all the time. And we spoke about Grave of the Fireflies. I've only seen it once because 
I feel like I only need to see it once, mm. if that makes sense. Mm. To me, a movie is like one you want to watch over and over again. And if I was to pick any Ghibli film, this would be it. This would be one I would want to watch over and over again. Out of all of them, even though we've put one higher, because I think it is a slightly <laughs> better. Just slightly. It was really difficult if, you know... This is just underneath it. So I'm not saying it's the worst movie. I'm just saying we had to pick a five and this just happens to be the two. To Do be you know fair, what I mean, Mr. Joe? <laughs> I, I, to be fair, if we'd all put a list of 10, I think we would yeah. probably overlapped quite a bit. So yeah, um, we would. So the fact that it's five has kind of, kind of really narrowed it down a bit. Um, <laughs> Joe, it's your number four. Um, I love this movie. Uh, it, uh, it's, I think... It hits me because part of the story is to do it with the reason they've moved to this house, the, the, the dad and the, the kids have moved to this house is because the mum is in hospital because I believe it's because she's got cancer. Like she, she's getting treatment and it's the way of these two kids. The, sto the story is Totoro is, is like the forest spirit of the, tr of the forest they've moved near to. And he's taking care of these kids and helping them find their way through a really awful time like they're escaping into the into the forest away from the problems that they're facing which is they're the fear of losing their mother and like the cat bus um takes them to a point like a point in the movie takes them to the hospital where their mum is to to assure them that she's safe and there's a bit in this movie where uh, the younger sister, May, I want to say her name is May. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, gets lost and everyone's like really, really worried about her. And it, it, the whole uh, like local village is looking for her. I think she might have fallen into a, like a, like a pond. Um, and it's Totoro and the cat bus that, that, that saves her and, and brings the older sister, whose name I can't remember, back together. And it's it's beautiful. They say the, the song is iconic. Like like the and the say the the ending <laughs> make me like cry because it's because there's even in, in the ending credits you get a resolution to the story that's really really beautiful and it makes it makes me fall apart inside. It's it's a lovely movie. It's really it's it's touching in that way of like it it's saccharine, but it's also. Just beautiful. I think it, it captures this magic of being a child and wanting to escape from reality. And it it, it does that. It does that. And it, it I felt I, I love it. I have nothing, I have nothing but positive things to say about it. I would have put it higher in my list if I didn't have um other movies that I just think deserve it. I but I do genuinely think it it, it is the quintessential Ghibli movie, and I think everyone yeah. should watch it. Yeah, it is. I totally agree. It is the essence of what Ghibli is. Yeah. Like, totally, I mean, 100%. It's, when, it's what they stand yeah. for. It's what they're about. When, when, if when I think the Ghibli, of the movie, this is what I would think of. I, yeah. I when, think. The, when the Ghibli films hit uh, Netflix, this was the first one I sat down and watched. And I watched it with my, with my, my kids, yeah. who are they're, they're, they're seven, and, 7 and 10 in the minute. It's such a gentle, simple, magical realist film which it, it doesn't really do much um it's got a little it's got a little bit of intrigue in it it's got a little bit of scare in it it's got um uh, when the with the sup mites um at the beginning and the fact that um 
they um they uh end up i think they have they end up having a jumping into the they're having a bath at night and they jump into the bath and the sup mites make a noise so they end up just making as much noise as possible to scare them away um and they it, it feel it actually it feels like such a it feels like such a small film and it it doesn't try it doesn't try to do anything grand or huge or big i it's it's a really really small movie with really big things in it like Totoro, the totoro and the cat bus and, and the mites um but it, it's about it's really about two sisters the 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 um the the fantasy the fantasy element is really just it's almost there as a deus ex machina just to kind of make to give the film a fantasy a fantasy uplifting ending that doesn't mean it's a bad thing it just means that i don't it almost doesn't need i it doesn't it almost doesn't need the tutorials actually but actually it i i just i just love it it's such a gentle film and um and so entertaining and very little happens in it so yeah matt um yeah it is such a simple film isn't it and that, uh, i look at it as like you know as i read once that the totoro spirit is actually the embodiment of the shinto shrine so that's why he takes them uh, uh, on one of their little journeys he drops them off at a shinto shrine um and it's as much about the house is about the relationship between the two children is it is between them their father and their mother than it is about anything else and it's um you know it, it is a beautiful little film i love it um i think it's great um i find the cat bus a little creepy to be honest <laughs> especially when it goes Meow. now look, the little story about these right these these are original right i've never been to japan and i've never um I've never uh, been a, uh, been like to the, the the Ghibli tour or anything like that. But these guys, um, I managed to find a long time ago. And before my daughter was born, um, I picked her up this right. And this is this is an original Totoro, and it's original uh, by Sun Arrow, who made the. Uh, this is from 1988. This one, so it's worth quite a lot of money. But it's it was the same size as my daughter, and we, when she was born, we've got a picture of her. And she's leaning against the Totoro like this. And she's the same height yeah. as this Totoro. And it's just an amazing picture. And I was searching for a long time to find a similar size cat bus made by the same people from the same era. And I managed to find one along, you know, a, a little while ago. So for me, that was that was quite cool. Um, but yeah, I, I love this movie. It's down at number six for me. Um, it's diminished a little bit um, as I've watched it more often. Um, it's not held as in such a high regard as it used to be for me. Um, I think what you get with this, you get um, incredible animation. If you look at the water in this, like the babbling brooks, the babbling streams, it's absolutely stunning how he animates water in this. It's absolutely amazing. Like it's all, it, it, it's hyper real, it's, it's beautiful. And it's also got one of my favorite scenes of all time in any Ghibli movie. In fact, it is of all time, is when they're waiting at the bus stop and the Totoro turns up and, he gets out his umbrella and he does he jumps like that and the rain comes down it just goes the rain beautiful absolutely fantastic Excellent. good movie and tom what how, how do you feel how do you feel about the tutorials i i think it's fantastic i think you know you've you've said it well when you say it's the it's really the epitome of um of of ghibli uh it's it's just very gentle and nice and paints this sort of very naive but sort of innocent uh sort of uh, you know 
fantasy, childlike fantasy, but also like the strength of the sort of um, bond between the two sisters and the way that they is almost that maternal element from the older sister looking after her younger sister whilst their mum is mum is sick. Uh, and then these sort of incredible things that you kind of you know, potentially uh, sort of come basically come from their imagination, um, but obviously it's real. Um, it's just yeah it's it's really beautiful um it didn't make my top five but um again we're talking about a group of films that's very difficult to there's a lot of good films in the top sort of 20 so um yeah i really liked it um i i think the cat bus is probably one of my favorite pieces of of, of ghibli cinema the first time you see that i think i think the first time i saw this film maybe 10 years ago <laughs> i didn't know about the cat bus and so when it appeared on screen, I, yeah, it's just jaw dropping. And of course, like the sort of his fur opening up for them to walk into, it's just amazing. And again, yeah, that scene with the umbrella waiting for the bus in the rain, it's just like so simple. And so, you know, not a huge amount happens in that scene apart from this incredible gap bus. Uh, but just even before the bus arrives, it's just so, so simple and showing this sort of amazingly curious and imaginative sort of thing unfold and discovering this sort of world that exists around them that uh, that they didn't know about before is just yeah it's it's a lovely film excellent well, uh, how just quickly how brilliant is that city you know the fact that he lives inside the camp is it a camphor tree you know those amazing japanese trees yes yeah that's great massive huge tree, tree yeah massive with the, with the, the tunnel the with the tunnels through them in the yeah, yeah, and he lives yeah, inside yeah. that it's just beautiful beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. Okay, so we are now on to our number one. Yes, yes. Okay, we have lots to talk about. Our number. Uh, let's start with Joe. Your number one. My number one is *House Moving Castle*, oh. which is substantially better than *Spirit Away*. But, <laughs> uh, it's yeah. not even better than. What, what, what did we say? <laughs> anyway, I put, I put it at number three. It'd be yes. at number one. It's an awesome movie, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good film. It's a yeah, good it's film. a great movie. Good film. It's it's a great great movie. Show. Where, where did you put Laputa? Because I thought you said uh, Laputa was your number one. I put Laputa oh, number two. Number two. Where did you put Spirited Away? Uh, no. <laughs> at not in the top five. Number number ten. Oh, just for the sake of us that have to go to work <laughs> tomorrow. Oh, it's not even, that's the disgrace. Go, tell us I about Howl's. You Howl's Moving uh, Castle. I love Howl's Moving Castle. Uh, I think it is another really powerful anti-war movie. Uh, it is, you're, it's, a, it's magical. It has a lot to say. Uh, it, you, you start out following you following Sophie, this this young girl who does not feel like she belongs in the world that she lives in, surrounded by people who are quite vacant and empty. And instantly she meets this magician who takes her, literally lifts her up and takes her away to walk across like the world that she lives in before dropping her down back in it. And she doesn't want to be there. Then. Uh, a witch, uh, the witch of the waste, comes and finds her and curses her because she's jealous of of how her relationship with this magician who didn't didn't even notice, didn't care about her, um, and curses her to be an old woman. And it's about this. It's a, it's a story about this young girl turned into an old woman who has to go and break this curse, and she has to go 
out into the wastes uh, and find this magician to, to save her. It, it, it's, it, it's such a beautiful movie. She, when, as, she, she, as she goes out into, into, this, into this world, finds an uh, 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 enchanted um, scarecrow, uh, she eventually, who leads her to this moving castle, as she enters this uh, fired, Calcifer the fire demon, who for me steals this movie, is, is, a, is a fantastic character, um, and lets her in and she becomes this mother figure to the, the wizard Hal, the fire demon, and the young boy whose name I can't remember, who's a young wizard. Um, and it's beautiful, it's beautiful the way, like uh, I say, this was the, one of the, I say it was, the, it was like the second or third movie of the Ghibli movies I saw. But one of the most standout things I always had is once she gets there and she like cleans their whole thing, she decides to make, make how makes them breakfast um, using on, on, on Calcifer. Um, and it's so beautiful. The way the food looks is just like, I was, I remember sitting, sitting watching this movie being like, I am starving. Like watching them make, like it's like bacon and eggs. It's just like, amazing it's amazing and another one it's, it's another one of these movies where the villain is this is this witch who is just she's just jealous she's just jealous she's not a bad person she's just a jealous person and she later on in this becomes a member of this of this group and the real villain in this movie is once again war and the the exploration of her as a character, how she overcomes this curse, how, and, and you know, grows to find acceptance in the world that she lives in. I think it's beautiful. I think it's amazing. I think it's the, mo it's the movie I, if anyone says to me, they're like, oh, you know, you want to watch a Ghibli movie, what, what do you think the best one? It, it's this movie. I, I love this movie and I have watched it more than any, any of the other ones and I, will happily sit down tomorrow and watch it and i probably won't excellent so ali mikey it's on your list at number four where did we have it where for it yeah i would i would have put it higher but you wanted to swap oh it's sorry for money was it money was there <laughs> <laughs> way better you can't put that above how's moving cars how's moving cars is overrated uh, i saw it in the cinema i saw this in the cinema it's, I it's overrated joe it's not over. No, it's not overrated. No, it's, no, not, it's not a lie. Picture house in Stratford. It's not my a friend. It's, it's not yeah, it's a great movie. It is. And of course, Christian Bell, who does the voice. How? Who I, have to, I have to say, Christian Bell does the best Keanu Reeves impression. I. Yeah, it's not bad. Actually, that is one of the problems I had with watching these movies is the fact that a lot of the voices I'm going, I know that voice, I know that voice. And I had to look up the voice cast list before I could go any further so I could actually enjoy the films. Yeah, it's what's, an, it's what's the name in it from a match point does the Sophie, I forgot her name, Emily Thingy. Oh, uh, good film, uh, good film, that. Match point, isn't it? Amazing film. Yeah, man. Better than, than House of Moon Castle. Nick Cage, um, yeah. I was, I was, no, how do we call I, you know what? For a long time, it's weird because I can't imagine thinking this now. Yeah. But for a long time, it was my second favorite, even above um, Princess Mononoke. Uh, it was, it's my second favorite. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was. And there's still things about it that I love. Like I, I, the music's amazing. How as a character is probably my top three favorite characters. I think he's an amazing character. Really, really cool. Um, also, was it Calcifer? I like Calcifer a lot. Um, the story is good, but this, uh, the, you know what? The more I watch it, 
Like every time that I watch it, I like it a little less. Like because because it's just it, it, out of all the Ghibli films, I think this is the one that just runs the slowest for me. Like the the more I watch, I think uh, now this film is just too slow. I, like you I, you can cut chunks I, out of this. Like. I I never really agree with you. We always have opposites on everything. Yeah. But I hundred percent agree with you. It feels like the longest out of all 100%. the movies, and I don't know if that's true. Maybe it is the longest out of all the movies. Drags. I don't know. The, I don't know the exact length of it, but it mm. feels like the longest movie mm. for, for some reason. Mm. Maybe it's obviously the pace of it. There's somewhere like in the third act where it just definitely slow down loads, you know. And um, but but there's parts of it that I love. Like I love the scarecrow. I love the music's amazing. It's probably got my favorite music, even maybe even above Spiritual Away. It's got incredible music, and I actually do like the voice actor, even <laughs> even Christian Bale. Um, <laughs> you know, but but, um, but there's something about it that I, I don't I don't know. You know, there's, there's just, it, it like there's other ones. You know, like when Marnie was there, or even Ponyo. There's other ones that I like a bit more every time I watch them. But this one, just for me, I remember loving it so much, and it's just this thing. It's it's I don't want to say stale. It's, there's just something about it, I don't know, that just doesn't age well with me. I don't, uh, I don't know what it is. Cows, we were just talking about it just now, just slightly sidetracking, but if you look at the, the background, of, <laughs> um, <laughs> Cows moving castle behind you, that, that backdrop, not necessarily like the, yes. the machine, but you know, the mountain with the clouds. Mm. Nintendo have completely ripped off that for Breath of the Wild. That's what it's saying for shame, Nintendo. Don't you think, okay. Joe, Matt, gamers out there, that is a ripoff. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I mean, Joe, I totally agree that Nintendo is worse than Do you know what? The, the castle, <laughs> I always, even the castle still is amazing, though. The castle, the detail in the castle is incredible. Also, there's a scene, there's a scene where, like, there's like, there's like, um, it's like, I can't believe it, it's like stars falling from the sky. Yeah. Yes. The way that's animated and, and the and the field that they're in there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it what, is incredible. What yeah. I would say about it's, it, it's nice as well. Yeah, cool. but the animation, I think, yeah. is one of the most intricate out mm. of all the, the mm. movies. There's mm. so much detail, like, mm. with the machinery and, like, a lot of effort has gone into, like, Making it look amazing because mm. it does look amazing. Mm. It's actually, a beautiful film. I actually don't like the parts like where it's, you know, where it's showing the war and that. I, that was also the parts I just really drag it down and just like, we could do without. I like so, them just like running around the field and just having their own little conversations in the castle and have their little quirkiness. And those are the parts I like. Yeah. The actual commentary it's making, I'm like, I could do without. Fair enough. Tom, why do you feel? Joe, I think I agree with you pretty much everything you've said so far. Uh, until this it's not for me uh even close to being one of the the best Ghibli films in mm. my opinion um and I it felt like and this is linking into what Mike was maybe just saying about the bits that were I found the most enjoyable were the sort of uh, the more you know the relationship between the they sort of end up with a little band of ragtags much like Spirited Away so you've got the Witch of the Waste and the Calcifer and Hell and Sophie and the little dog and the little boy and they're all sort of you know going off on their adventures and that's kind of quite fun it was the bits these more grand things where he uh howl is off turning and you know gradually turns more and more into this giant bird-like monster creature and is fighting a war that i just it felt like there was almost too many ideas in the film for it to really be coherent i think it for me i wanted there i don't think it needed to have everything crammed in i think they could have been a bit less um it felt very very busy 
um and there are bits of it that i like and there's you know there's plenty of very unique and as always very creative uh things about it um and just even yeah as you said like the moving of the castle and it, it's some reason towards the very end when the castle actually disintegrates and is left really just a plank of wood with two running legs sort of across this mountain top i absolutely love that there's there's certainly parts of this film that i really really do like but i felt it was just a bit too much uh kind of attempts to be rammed into to one film there's also things like you know as i said before this idea that almost no enemy no baddie in ghibli is ever really bad and you sort of and, and often your protagonists are trying to communicate rather than fight at face value you know the really pure good ones the mononoke nausicaa sophie in this and and, and the, the lead girl in spirited away they're always trying to ask questions of, well, what you know why what is the problem why are you so angry what can we do to help kind of thing in this film, we see Sophie, who is cursed by this witch of the waste, becomes an old lady and is clearly furious with the witch for putting this curse on her, as as you would be. Um, and then, yet, like the next scene, she's like encouraging this witch who she's kind of bumps into at the castle, and they have to walk up this huge long flight of stairs to reach the top for the meeting with the the king. And Sophie does it, you know, even though she's an old lady, does it reasonably okay but this witch of the waste is really struggling and almost dies on the way up and sophie's still at the top being like come on you can do it you know you know you've you know just believe in yourself you can you can get there and um why why is she encouraging her now the other you know why why is she suddenly on her side trying to 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 um you know uh, effectively it feels like she's almost forgiven her for, for putting this horrible curse on her where she turns her into an old lady in the other films you you know where you know whether it's you know Nazca or Mononoke you can kind of uh see where their sort of um compassion comes from or this understanding or at least from the narrative perspective this understanding of you know they've they've been done wrong nature whatever it might be so you can see that for Sophie she's literally the only other interaction she's ever had with this witch was to have this horrible curse put on her. Uh, and she's even said before, I would, you know, I'd never work for that woman. She's awful. And she tries to tell people what the curse was, but she isn't able to. Um, and then out of nowhere, she's sort of like, you know, come on, mate, you can do it. There were just things that to me, they almost seemed like a bridge too far. And like that whole sort of understanding Ghibli sort of way of, of, of presenting lead characters and how they're often, very good and pure but there was no real attempt at explaining why that kind of just jumped out of me as not really being very believable and they were kind of just doing it because that's a very ghibli thing to do to have your lead uh, characters being very you know siding you know wanting to communicate with enemies rather than fight them kind of thing i, I don't i don't disagree with what you're saying I, the point i would make it for me the way i took this in this movie was that she has be she's literally become an old lady and it is it's a very, she she was acting like an old lady. She, I can totally believe that as an old person, she's already, if you were an old person having these grudges, you'd let go of them. You're an old person, you, it doesn't mean anything. And it is also, you're watching this, this witch of the waste disintegrate in front of her as she's climbing up these stairs. So she's like, yeah, come on, you can do it. You can do it because, you know, you've got this far, you might as well get to the end of it. She's done it. I'm an old lady and I could do it you who's this witch who's done this to me well you might as well get up here you might as well yeah. do it and, and i felt I, I don't disagree with what you're saying and, and i will say that this i was really torn between this film and the film that matt picked as number one as my number one and i picked this movie 
more because I feel that this is what I would say more of a movie that I just genuinely really enjoy. And I, I, I do understand there's a slowness there. I do, but as, as Miguel has already said, he would say that all Ghibli movies are slow. I still really like it because of what it's doing. I think it feels, so, it's, it's a kid's movie. It's a family movie. It's, it, it is, I agree. It does some of those things, create some of these kids. Really agree with yeah, I think I think one of the, I think one of the things about um, uh, Miyazaki movies and Ghibli films is the fact that their source materials aren't exa aren't simple. This is the f uh, first book from a series of fan fa fantasy novels, um, and I, sometimes I think you need um, you don't get enough to kind of uh, lead you through, um, and it's not it, it's like the um, Arietti and the Borrowers. It's not a full. It's not a full movie. It's not kind of a full movie. Um, you kind of you kind of need the next bit to kind of lead on. Um, just just because we're running very very late here, um, I I kind of like it, and I I I agree I agree a lot of the fact that it's just it's just it's very complex, and the fact that um, it's actually Howl's boss teacher who um, actually is after Howl is the thing I, ju I, ju I just found it a bit big and a bit messy and um but joe you had it at number one it made uh mikey and ali's list um just moving on quickly tom you're number one and uh matt's number two uh nausicaa no as i was just saying i think of uh again i've ended up with uh trying to explain this sort of one of the most epic ones um nausicaa is my favorite ghibli film as i said before i thought it would be uh, modern okay but then watching this one again it's just got everything it's the most incredible fancy film i've ever watched animated or, or otherwise um uh it follows um uh princess nausicaa who's sort of princess of this small uh valley nausicaa's the princess valley of the wind is where she's from title's a little bit confusing but um yeah she uh they, they get attacked by uh this again a sort of another uh, evil again not evil but human force a very industrialized you know sort of very aggressive um people uh who in you know have previously basically again ruined large parts of nature which is symbolized by these massive bug-like creatures called owns um and they sort of scuttle along like giant um i don't know like giant sort of cockroach things um but are actually inherently peaceful creatures which again have sort of been turned evil by or turned uh, dangerous by uh, war with uh, being at war with humans um, and then you sort of have the humans trying to get hold of uh, a what is basically a bio weapon which is this enormous utterly terrifying creature called uh, the acid it's called now the acid uh, warrior I think it's called and it's like this giant slimy uh, gloopy monster that they've kept an underground bunker trying to build up its strength so it can then be unleashed on the world and you know, these different hu warring human factions can then use the the acid warrior to destroy the others and you know rule the world and destroy all the ohms so again uh, as with so many of these films very you know war is the real kind of enemy and again you see good sides and bad sides of almost every uh, every faction that's that's portrayed in it. Um, Nausicaa, the princess, flies around with this amazing um, sort of uh, little flying contraption, which she sort of like lies forward on. In fact, if you've got video, you can see uh, she's right behind Matt there, 
Um, I think that is Nasker, isn't it, behind you? Yeah. Um, and uh, it's just, it's fantastic. It's it's grand. The scale of everything is just insane. The ohms are enormous. The forest uh, is enormous. The, the airship that you see at the beginning, which crash lands into the, the valley, this human airship is huge. It's about the size of the valley itself. Um, this acid giant, this acid monster is huge, and the explosions it's ca it causes are huge. Everything makes sort of Princess Nauska and, and her people seem very, very tiny. It's almost like you're always up against some overwhelmingly uh, impossible to comprehend kind of enemy that's so big uh, and just wants to destroy you. What, what chance does uh, a princess from Little Valley have? Uh, well, obviously, well, she, uh, she has a pretty good chance, but um, it takes some pretty special stuff. Um, the, there's this sort of prophecy uh, that we hear about at the beginning, which then, you know, comes to pass later on. Uh, and just everything about it is, it is just so grand and uh, fantastic. I think this is the first, I think there's debate uh, going into this podcast or whether it be included, because uh, I think it was officially, it wasn't, it was sort of the film that sort of launched Ghibli rather than actually being a Ghibli film. Studio Ghibli was sort of formed after the making of this, but I'm very glad we are allowed to include this in our, Ghibli podcast because it is just unbelievable uh, for me I kind of the best one the other thing I'd say is the soundtrack is absolutely amazing it's sort of this you know, Terry Terry Riley-esque sort of minimalist organ um, sort of synths mixed with like 80s uh, like yeah just like banging synth music as she's like flying around this underground valley uh, it's, it's just brilliant from start to finish um, and I love it Matt, it was your number two, mate. It was my number two. And what a masterpiece, isn't it? Isn't it? It's just absolutely fantastic. Uh, and I'm so glad that someone's come and found it and like put it in the number one. For me, L Laputa and, and sorry, Castle Sky and Nausicaa are kind of like interchangeable for me. I think they're both they're both masterpieces, um, closely followed by Spirited Away, like number three. Um, I love this. This was um, the first... No, the second uh, Ghibli movie I ever saw, and I saw it in the butchered VHS Warriors of the Wind version that um, I spent ages searching for, that I went to my local um, uh, HMV in Chester to find, and I found it, and I was like, I didn't know it was a, a Hayao Miyazaki Studio Ghibli film at that point, but I'd known that there was a version of something over here and that it was called um, Warriors of the Wind, and you should see it anyway, and even in its butchered version, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, but you're missing some key parts where she um, she's under a castle and she's she's developing the, the serum that will uh, prove that the the toxic oh, forest yeah. and that how that it's 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 treating itself underneath and underneath all the you know the toxicity the new growth is coming through and it's, just, it's absolutely beautiful it's got some of my favorite scenes in any uh, Ghibli movie um the the battle scenes in the the Miave, it's called or something however you pronounce it the little battle ship that she uh that she flies and i like the little relationship she has with with her and her kind of like uh her um uh her foot soldiers and her foot footmen um and it's really they're really sweet uh yeah it's just beautiful beautiful movie and it's got such a great message as well um and I, I, this was the, the first and only manga I've ever read. So I've got like all the original, like from, yeah. how old is the very, very, very first one? Where is it? Volume one is from 19, I think it's 1989. I got this from the local comic shop. And so I was collecting them ever since. 
um and it's absolutely fantastic and if you ever get the opportunity um tom probably especially as soon as you put it at number one is find the manga and read the manga because there's so much more to it yeah. in, in the manga than there is in the movie yeah um, it's fantastic absolutely fantastic so definitely yeah. a, a worthy number number one yeah i uh i i, I really liked it um i i rate this above mononoke um uh, similar similar themes uh similar ideas um and okay is a little more complex but i just i just feel that this pulls it off that little bit better um strange strangely it did remind me of a ralph bakshi uh movie from the 70s um i think it's called um not fire and ice um i think it's called i think it's actually called wizards um and um yeah it's that i i, I really liked it that the it, it feels very it, same sort of vein um just to interject i want to also yeah. say this that it is a fantastic movie um i, yeah. I, I love this movie in this it, good I, film really good hard film. Good film. into top five but, yeah. 1984 okay good film um, um, can i just uh, add one one last nope. thing i know we're a bit short on time we'll be quick but um matt mentioned the warriors of the winds that came out of, of this film that was cut down by 22 minutes uh, and kind of reduced um, Nausicaa's role uh, in it uh, a bit more. Obviously, her name's not in the title. Uh, and like the environmental impact was the environmental themes were, were um, cut, cut out of it as well. Uh, and that was a Weinstein uh, production in uh, 1985, I think. Yeah. And so when Miyazaki <laughs> came to release Mononoke, as the story goes, um, uh, it, Mononoke was was again to be distributed by Weinstein's company in in, in the West, and um, well, the story goes as Miyazaki. Apparently, actually, it might have been his producer, but he sent to Harvey Weinstein a full, genuine katana, Japanese. <laughs> oh, I know about this. Yeah. Wow. And in in the in the handle were inscribed the words yeah. "No cuts." <laughs> Uh, just in case he wasn't just to get the clear point. enough about what he thought of yeah. the Warriors of the Wind uh, mm-hmm. remake of uh, I love it. I love Excellent. it. I love that. I love that right. Weinstein that ruined it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he he tried to do it with Snowpiercer as well, but Bong Joon Ho kind of went nope. Okay, uh, just quickly, um, I'm going to go quickly. My number one, which is Ponyo, um, a love a lovely film, uh, which uh, kind of like uh, the Little Mermaid um but done, but done um <laughs> but done japanese style um oh, a love affair between but it's kind of from the other direction so it's kind of like the story of the little five-year-old boy and uh the 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 little girl who uh, little girl fish who escape who escapes and falls and falls in love with him and uh the environment and the wreaking havoc that comes from uh the father uh her tearing holes in fa- fabrics of reality um i i i think it's okay. lovely and i really want my kids to see it because i think i think it's a really cute really well done really nice film um anyone anything film Matt Damon, it's a legend. Yeah, it is. I like Matt Damon as well. Matt Damon, though, that's for that's for problem. What? What's my... The dad is um, Liam Neeson. It's Liam Neeson. It's right? like Taken, but with <laughs> with Ghibli theme. With fish. <laughs> yeah. Taken with fish. It's a good yeah. Yeah. No, no, I really liked. It. I didn't really like. Uh, and, and Little Mermaid has the best Disney song of all time, Under the Seas. Yeah, and I, I, I do feel like that that movie, the, uh, the Little Mermaid, is, is still the best. It's too close, right? They're too they're too similar. No, you've got to pick. 
No, yeah. I don't. I would say they're very different, but I would say that the Little Mermaid is the is the more uh, successful. Okay, Ponyo's tri- Ponyo is pretty Mermaid. trippy, right? Ponyo is a trippy movie. Yeah, it's a proper trippy movie. Yeah. No, I liked it. Is that, I'm trying I to remember it. that. It okay, we, ha- we have like- two films left to discuss. Matt. Yo. Laputa. Castle in the Sky. Yes. Castle in the Sky. <laughs> Your mother what? Y tu mamá también. Yeah, ca- Castle in the Sky, man. Ah, this film, this film just gets me every time. I love it. Um, I... I I saw this. This was this was always my favorite. It's my very first Ghibli movie, and I saw this unknowingly. I saw it on an airplane in um, 1989 on on a on a family trip, our only family trip to uh, to that we ever. Well, obviously, we went all day, but to America we went once, and we went um, in like the last couple of years, the 1980s. And this, I didn't realize, was it played on the airplane, and it was. Um, um, as I later found out, it was a dub made for the Jap- Japanese airlines um, for the English um, businessman that travels to and from Tokyo. And for whatever reason, it was playing on a, on a plane that was traveling from London to, um, to America, to, to uh, uh, um, uh, Los Angeles. I'm not less sorry to Florida and then we went on to a different place. Um, so anyway, I saw it and I was like, it always stuck in my head, always stuck in my head. This amazing. I was what? Uh, 10 10 then Hmm. and it stuck in my head this amazing imagery of uh, this floating city and i i I was often read like stories uh, gulliver's travels like for my dad when i was younger and um i had all this kind of imagery that i'd already kind of known about and like many of the ghibli films this is kind of semi-based on some uh, uh literature from from uh uh from western culture um and I just found it fascinating that that I, I kind of connected with this young boy who was um, alone in life. Not that I was, but I was alone in life and he was he was living alone and he was working with um, uh, with his hands. He was being creative and he lived in this kind of like uh, well, it was supposed to be based on a Welsh village. Um, and the animation just caught me and the, the excitement, everything was just so exciting about it. It was just you know, like the, I've really remembered there was a there, like when I was watching it on the airplane, there was a fight in the village, and there was like uh, you know his boss was beating down uh, like um, one of the bad guys that were chasing this kid who, who this girl who'd floated down, and all these tiny little tiny images that had, like stuck in my mind over the years, um, and I, I just found it fascinating. I thought it was brilliant. It stuck with me forever. And I, it took me a long time to figure out what it was. So, you know, eventually I found it and I discovered that it was a Studio Ghibli film, much to my surprise. Managed to finally get hold of a, a proper version of it to watch it sort of in the early 2000s. Again, it's another one that I imported. And um, I just found it amazing, fascinating. It's, it's, it's all that fantasy element that you read when you're a kid, like, you know, all those, those, those things that you've got, um, like, well, Boy's Own Adventures, um you know you've got like uh all those those stuff that like, i was given books my my dad gave me like when he was younger when he was in his like um uh early years from 1940s like in blighting books in the original hardback form like he would give me and he would read me and they all had these kind of like weird fantasy elements in it and it just all stuck with me and it connected with me with this movie um yeah i, I love it and it's one of my favorite joe Hisashi music soundtrack to it as well 
Um, yeah, fantastic. Okay, brilliant imagery brilliant. in it as well. Uh, Joe, uh, it was your number two, mate. I, I, I say I, I do 100% say the, the Joe Hisashi um, soundtrack. And that, that end, the ending song of this movie particularly is really like stand out. Um, it was really hard for me not to put this at number one. Um, I love, I love it. Everything about it is, it's an epic. It's kind of, it is Star Wars-esque and it's ironic because um, uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Mark Hamill plays the, the bad guy. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's great, it's great. It is, there's so much going on. Uh, the, the robots on on Laputa when they get there, it is wow. beautiful. Amazing. Every, everything about it, it, it's it's exciting. Let's say the, the beautiful, the, the Welsh stuff, like even when they, they, they like, they glide, it's like, there's so much to say about this movie with the little time we have. Yeah, uh, sorry, man. But I love it. I love it. I love it. I love um, the way that the, the bad guys are kind of basically the government, um, but it's also one guy trying to just get his legacy. And it's like, I love it. I just, everything about this movie. If anyone was going to be a bad guy in purely bad guy in a, in a given movie, it's got to be Musa from, from this. It's got to yeah. be, I, I think as well. He's got, he's got no... He's got no uh, grey areas, so I think he's a proper, yeah. proper dodgy character. Because he thinks he deserves it, and, and yeah, what makes him interesting, and it, and it's that thing of he'll destroy everything just to get what he wants. He's mm. a yeah, yeah, definitely. And I like the sci-fi element as well. That that deep inside this city, this floating city, I was desperate to learn why it was floating and where these historical kind of. Um, elements come from because apparently it's based in egyptian and mesopotamian and sumerian kind of uh, um, imagery and uh you know that's how he, he developed the script and the story from those type of you know um especially with the names as well you've got patsu and shito they all they're all kind of you know those those ancient middle eastern names yeah okay um last last one oh, uh, on. of... I, I wouldn't mind i wouldn't mind saying something about the pizza okay. it was quite a big one for me it was the first one i saw um, ever and actually it was uh, on a VHS my grandma um, recorded a bunch of uh, cartoons when I was oh, but it was on ITV that was that because they played it on ITV back in the day as well I, I, yeah I don't know it was on this VHS in a series of cartoons she recorded where we just got a VHS player I was probably about eight years old and me and my brothers watch it and there are several cartoons and the start of this film and it was the most insane thing I've ever seen before in my life this incredible fantasy and at one hour I checked it when I was watching it again at one hour 25 just as they are they're in the middle of a storm and their their little flight part uh, flight thing uh, breaks snaps off their main ship and they go through a cloud and around the corner is a, they're about to see Laputa the magic castle in the sky for the first time the VHS uh, ran out of tape and just turned <laughs> fuzz oh, and that was it no. and so forth and I watched that probably 15 times maybe 20 times oh. as a kid uh, it was absolutely gutting. So when I then years later realised what film it was and, and watched it in full, I was extremely happy. But I mean, this I absolutely love. This is probably the only Ghibli film I really watched as a, a very young child where actually it appealed to me on a purely childish like fantasy level. And it was so exciting. Matt, you said about like the little kid, you know, he was working with his hands and doing stuff. That was actually one of the things I found like most interesting and engaging about it. it was like this kid like he's, he's calling this this guy a boss and stuff he's like he's got his own life and it's yeah. like mad and then obviously you get into the 
the whole sort of more fantastical stuff but yeah like sort of death star vibes as well um yeah. and uh, and and also like stuff that you then see later in akira of stuff being blown up with like space lasers it's really uh it's just next level i put it at three i mean it could have been number two or number one for me really okay quickly speed round. last one obviously the most complicated to last um is spirited away the best uh, the most. so I don't care if people say it's the most obvious one. That's what it is. It is the best this is one. the problem. It's, it's the like, this, you know what this reminds me of? And, and, then, and then they got too famous. Yeah. So they're like, no, now we can't like them. It's too obvious to like them. So now we got like someone else. This is what's going on with Spirit of the Way. It's so easy, the best one. It's not even close. I love the rest. I love uh, Princess Mononoke. I love Ponyo. I love, but they're not close to Spirit of the Way. That is the most perfectly <laughs> made animation film Exactly. It's like it's on a different league. It's, it's, like, it's by itself. You've got Spirited Away. Let's put a gap in. Yeah, everything else. Oh, no, I, I definitely think there's, there's three or four that are like, no, in, no, like no, completely no, no, interchangeable. No, 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 no. <laughs> interchangeable. You should be muted. You should be muted. <laughs> interchangeable. And it's got the best scene in any Ghibli movie. The whole no face going into the bathhouse. That oh. is the best scene in any Ghibli movie. You know what it is as well? It's the most best, it's the best paced film yeah. by a mile. Everything's contained nicely. The yeah. story, it's not overcomplicated, but it's not that simple either, is, you know? You've got, you've, you've got the things you find out about your barber, you know, well, we all know her sister and all these things, you know, her in, um, my God, what the hell was uh, the boy's name? Uh, what's the boy's name? What's Chihiro. The, the name of the river. You know, that you find out that she actually knew him. So that, there's complications to the story, you know, there's all the scariness of her parents turning into pigs. Yeah, whole, I love that thing. The setting, it's like every single frame in that film, it has something original I've never seen before. Every yeah. single frame in that film. No other Ghibli film can yeah. do that. No, every other uh, Ghibli no. film has got bits that are like, yeah, oh, it's good, whatever, I can do without this bit, this. Every single frame in that thing, every character, the every characters. you've got the no face, oh. you've got the, the you've thing. got the twin sister of Wayne Witch that is that suddenly turns up at the end. Don't don't you find the witch yeah. bit the, the character of the witch a little bit too? I find the big head thing is just a little bit too weird. Oh, the whole film is weird. The whole film is the baby bit, the baby bit. No, no. Well, all all. Just because, just because we're running out of yeah, seriously running out of time, uh, definitely need. We, uh, it's definitely a film. To, isn't it? Is Oscar winning? Isn't yes. it Oscar winning? So it is, yeah, it's um, the only Oscar, the winning, only Oscar the winning, winning one. Okay, so I'm going to quickly go through the top five. All the votes are in. All the points are added up. Oh. At number five, Howl's Moving Castle. This is going to be the worst list. Number ever. four, Nausicaa, Warriors of the Wind. Three. Spirited Away. Oh, Two. <laughs> My Neighbor crazy. Totoro. And number one, uh, top of the list, is Laputa. Oh, no way. Oh. Yay. Yay. Correct. Oh, yeah, exactly. He's going to strike us down. Like, <laughs> He's gonna he's gonna he's stamp all over oh. this. Yay, our bats disappeared. No, I can't see him. <laughs> Matt was so ashamed of the list, he ran away. <laughs> right, okay, guys. Uh, we've, got to, we've got to quickly wrap this up because we have overrun massively. Thank you very much all for joining us today, uh, tonight. Um, yes, every, every, I'm glad everyone's brought their tutorials. Hold on. We only gave like two minutes to Spirited Away, the Oscar winning film. We've run out, we've run out we of time. We spent like 68 we... years about La Puta. 
anyway guys unfortunately all we can suggest is people go and find spirit of the way and go and watch it for themselves thank you very much for joining us tonight um mikey ali joe matt and tom and uh if you want to find us check us out on all our socials and uh we'll see you again soon good night All views expressed in this podcast are that of the individual and do not represent the views of any entity whatsoever which they have been or will be affiliated with in the future.